Alright. So how's it going guys? Um, welcome back to another episode of Teenage Hurdles the Podcast. My name is Henry and I am very very excited um, for this very episode because I'm joined with someone very special, someone I've looked up to in the past you know, couple years that I've known him a bit more. Um, he's someone who's extremely funny, confident, charismatic, something that you know I very much look up to in him. And not only is he also a rugby beast, someone who's quite known, I think, in this North Shore sphere. <laughs> a lot of clout. Um, um, but yeah, no, just recently I've discovered he's also a bloody academic genius. Um, and that's none other than Freddie, Freddie Harris. Welcome to the show, Freddie. Thank you for having me, Henry. Excited to be here. Excited to be here. And hello to everyone who is watching. <laughs> I think I think this is quite a um, quite a strange kind of combination. I feel like I don't know because I I haven't known I didn't know Freddie until quite recently, and I feel like we've been always in quite separate worlds. Um, but you know, times change and things bring us together oh look so. when you started the podcast i thought to myself <laughs> i have to get on here and i have to say my piece i have to say my piece on here and you know some of the guests you've had are fantastic i've watched them all oh thank you, you. Know, thank from you. ollie's fed to max lee like love to see it love to see it and you know i'm excited to be here no oh, thank you yeah freddie when i first you know had the podcast up he was he came up to me straight away and said oh yo henry when am i getting you on the podcast and at first, I, I was just, you know, kind of like bantering with you. I wasn't sure if you were serious or not, but I guess you were very keen. I'm serious. And I'm serious. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here and I'm game. You know, yeah, big yeah. Joe Rogan fan. <laughs> big Joe Rogan fan. And, you know, let's go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you, Freddie, was, I mean, just for the past while since I've known you, I've noticed that, damn you really reached, you know, beyond my expectations of who you are as a person. You were, just from the conversations that I had with you, like, briefly, you were always very confident and, um, you know, very funny with everything you, you say. And also, what blew my mind was last year in year 11, when they were announcing all the awards, they announced your name. And I was like, wow, this guy must have really put in the work and hustled and got to where he was. Yeah, so. I mean, look, that journey to that, um, those prizes mm. on speech day, when I started out in year 11, I mean, never thought that that was going to happen. Never yeah. thought. Um, you know, a bit of background from year 7 to 10, yeah. I was a straight E and D student, <laughs> few C's yeah. here and there. I mean, I didn't cop a single B in really? uh, year 10, because really, I just didn't care at all, just... You know, just watched YouTube in class, didn't really care, was just living my life. And then in the summer holidays going into year 11, I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to be a professional footy player. Like mm. that, that was just not going to happen. Um, so I was thinking, well, I got to make my bread. You know, I got to, I got to make my way in the world. So let's treat this year 11 year as a trial year of the HSC. Let's yeah. go as hard as possible and see where I'm at. 
okay? Try all the different strategies, see what works, see what doesn't, and then going into year 12, let's hope I'm prepped enough to cop an okay ATAR and go to a decent university. And I guess the journey was also coupled by, I, uh, I started taking my medication for ADD. I mean, I'm pretty heavily ADD. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started taking my Ritalin and it just turned me into a different person. Wow. I mean, there are obvious, and I'll get into it later, there are obvious negatives with taking something like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the transformation was fantastic. I mean, I just became so invested. And the fact was I got to pick what I did. Yeah. So I got to choose what I did and I chose everything that I liked and I just got so heavily invested into it. And I started seeing these results and the amount of dopamine that would hit me when I saw oh, the yeah. paper yeah. and the self-esteem, you know, it was, it was quite, it was quite amazing. So I sort of became addicted to that. Wow. And then over the, accum- you know, the accumulation of results and then going into year 11, I saw my name on the prize sheet for like, yeah, academic honors. Pretty and amazing. I was like, wow. I was telling my friends, you know, I'm an all-star now. (laughs) I've made the uh, NBA all-stars of Knox academics. So how about it? And yeah, I was, I was just completely amazed. And I think there's a bit of luck or something, but Mm. uh, honestly, it's a great feeling because it set me up um, and year 12 is going smooth enough where hopefully you'll get a good ATAR, go to a good university and live a nice life. Hell yeah. Yeah, no, so your transformation and the change that you went through, that was something extremely fascinating to me. But before we, you know, dive all into that, can we, you know, get a bit more about you right now, some subjects you're doing, some activities, and what's going on in Freddie's life? Yeah, so, I mean, as many people know, I play footy, um, and that's quite a taxing thing. I mean, I know... uh, a lot of the boys who play footy really feel it. It's like six trainings a week, mornings oh, wow. and afternoons, Jesus. and then you've got games. And it really does, you know, it takes the life out of you. Um, and so that, that consumes a large portion of my life. And as academics has gone on in the year 12 year, mm. I've had to draw back less and less with rugby and how much like I concentrate on it because me having ADD, I find it pretty hard to sort of multitask different goals. I like to sort of hone in on one. Mm -hmm. So it's meant that sort of footy has drawn back a little, but I'm still training as much. And then just sort of racing home to get work in. So that's consumed a large portion of my life. But then the rest of it is just, well, I do cadets as well. Yeah. um, To which I've enjoyed Quite, quite a lot. And I never used to. I absolutely yeah, used yeah. to hate cadets. When I uh, when I was on my junior's promotion course to be from a recruit to a corporal, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I decided that I didn't want to do cadets anymore. So I decided to uh, turn up to every roll call in my pajamas and really just try and get <laughs> home and try and self-sabotage. But the head of cadets, for some reason, saw something in, in me and wow. was like, yeah, we want you to continue. And he ended up promoting me all the way to the top. Hell yeah. And... Uh, so that's something I've continued and now I really enjoy. Uh, and then the rest of it's filled with mates and family. You know, I see a lot of my friends uh, all the time and they're all great bunch of blokes. I love them. Um, and wow. shout out to them if they're watching this. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Now there's, yeah, there's obviously so many defining moments, I think, across your journey that made you flip as a person on, for example, cadets, for example, your studies. So... 
I mean, I want to swerve it back, I guess, to the early kind of origin story of Freddy. What were you like as, you know, a younger kid, primary school, going to high school, things like that? Okay, so primary school. Well, I originally came from the UK. Oh, really? And, yeah, and I came from like a pretty like upper class <laughs> sort of area. So yeah. I had a really, really posh accent. <laughs> and so when I came to Australia, immediately outcasted, you know. Really? Who is this kid? Okay. Um, what, year, what year were you? How year were four you? is when I came and they're just like, who is this kid with the British accent that really likes football? And everyone's like, okay, get a load. <laughs> and also liked video games. Yeah. So I, I just hung out with two mates. Um and they're still two great mates to this day. Um, and then coming into year seven, I started getting pretty big, started playing rugby and then met a whole different bunch of boys, which are all still my mates to yeah. this day. And then year eight and year nine, I decided I was going to be what we call in Australia an esche. Um, <laughs> I decided that that was my calling. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, complete transparency. So, yeah, I decided that's it. I'm a gangster now. A kid from the North Shore sometimes has to be a gangster. Wait, wait um, what year was that? Year, year eight. Yeah, eight. Eight. Okay, you know, okay. like at the back end of year eight. So I yeah, started going, yeah. all right, going to wear some TNs now. And this is also, I'm playing club rugby. And a few of the club oh, yeah. rugby kids I used to play with, they came from out west. And they actually properly <laughs> were a bit tough. And I sort of just tried to, I guess, emulate them in a way. Yeah. And I had I had a friend, uh, a few mates um, from Barker, yeah. And they were, um, I guess, they were also just doing the same thing, and that was sort of just what I did. Uh, along with a few mates from Knox, some you'd be very surprised to hear, <laughs> um, some who I probably shouldn't never name. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what we did. And then going into year nine, I had an epiphany again that boxing was the thing for me. Oh, boxing, okay. Which actually was one of the greatest things to happen to me. I remember watching the Tyson Fury fight. Oh, let's go. Uh, the first fight. And he had this amazing story coming back from everything. And I was sort of in a bit of a rut because you know, I was just running a sort of muck. Parents weren't very happy with me at all. Mm. And well, then I thought boxing. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to really try this. And I just, again, got fixated on it and really just honed in. And taught me a lot about discipline um, oh, wow. and all those sorts of things. I mean, getting punched in the face is pretty hard to do. Um, yeah, 100%. But if you love it, you love it. And I just loved it for, for a short period. Yeah. So that's where the sort of discipline and humility mm. um, sort of could stem from. And then leading into year 10, I mean, I wasn't doing so well in footy anymore. Um, yeah. Because I just, I don't know. I was so, getting a bit more lazy I got a girlfriend for a short period of time, so I dropped boxing. And I sort of just lost my identity a little bit. Wow. Um, and that was a bit of a tough stage because, I mean, I wasn't smart. And I wasn't just like a footy superstar. I was sort of only known in sort of like a bubble sort of area where it's just like you're known throughout your circles. Yeah. And that's sort of it. And you don't want to be that guy that just has nothing else but a reputation atta attached to him. So then I thought in the holidays leading into year 11, I'm like, all right, you know, F it. Like, wow. this is going to, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm just going to go and try and smash it as much as possible. Mm. Um, and I had no experience doing anything to do with academics. I yeah. had no idea about study techniques. 
had no idea what to do, but I just gave it some decent thought about how I was going to do it. And what I really thought was teachers are going to be my best friend here, Mm. you know, buy into those relationships, take on everything they say, listen to everything, all the advice they have to give because they are the practitioners, you know, they are the experts. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at a school like Knox. I mean, every bit of my success, I, I, you know, I dedicate to Knox Mm. as a school. Many other kids are way more unfortunate than I am. And, you know, the HSC in a lot of aspects is a pay to win game. Um, I guess you do have to, yeah, you do have to appreciate that sometimes, but that means you have to use the resources as much as possible. Mm, and yeah. that's what I did. And then it just happened wow. by, by fortune. Wow. See, that's awesome. Yeah. So when you drawing back a little bit, so when you first, you know, came from the UK, um, what do you think really, Defined you into wanting to, I guess, I guess, join that Eshe, Eshe clan. Oh, look, it's just what was in. It was just like the trend in a way. It's just like every boy sort yeah, of, yeah, yeah. they want to just break loose. They see this new sort of thing going on. It's just this complete independence, um, mm. rebellious type phase. I mean, lots of kids go through it, but unfortunately, Kids in our year, as Henry and I would know, they went into that phase and just yeah. never came out of it. Yeah, yeah never yeah. came out of it. It's really um, sad. Really sad. Yeah. So I mean, I entertained it, is what I'd said. Entertained it, um, but it was it was just what was new and it was interesting and it was mm. you know it was different really, and also being the tough guy, I mean, <laughs> people fear you, right? Like they. Yeah. You know, people all of a sudden give you a lot more respect than you're worth because they wow. don't really know what's going on. Yeah. And you all of a sudden just have this huge boosts of ego. It's just like an ego slot machine. And that's really what a big attraction is. I mean, a lot of the reason why a lot of those kids never came out of that phase is because they really just never had any sort of reputation before that. And all of a sudden they became a big dog. Um, or a top boy. It's, as, uh, it's like a, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It's that, like a drug that just gives you that, those hits of. Yeah, absolutely. Ego. Absolutely. It's just the, you know, the, this dopamine. Yeah. And then you get, as you go on, you get mixed up in drugs, yeah. alcohol, mm. those kids. Um, yeah. and then, you know, it's a, it's a spiral from there really. Cause you all of a sudden, I mean, I think Dave said it best. <laughs> Dave, he was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, a lot of pe- a lot of people lose their ambition yeah. through things like weed. Wow, yeah. You know, um, and I've seen it and it just happens. Yeah. But th- those are what you'd call teenage hurdles, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky name ready? drop, but uh, those are <laughs> yeah, teenage yeah, yeah. hurdles. Yeah. Big hurdles. Some people never yeah. climb those mountains mm. and that's that's the way it goes. Yeah. I was thinking about this whole Eshe culture just a couple of days ago, like, because... You know, some, from some of the stuff that happened on... Have you, did you see in the Easter show? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was I mean, terrible. Disgraceful, disgraceful. Yeah. I mean, a family event. Yeah. I mean, also, you have to realize that popular culture plays a big part in this. Yeah. I mean, for example, Top Boy dropped literally two weeks before. And everyone's she- seeing a big man like Sully from Top Boy murking everyone. They're going, oh my God, this guy's amazing. He's living in a penthouse. 
the Shanes live mm. in a penthouse and they're all just, you know, killing people or whatever. And so there's just this culture and these um, fantasies that they sort of romanticize in their minds. And that's what sort of, I mm. think, also yeah. plays into that. So the Easter show thing happened. Some guy thought he was really tough. Like he was doing something that he saw in a TV show or yeah, heard yeah, in a yeah. rap song. And apparently it was over, you know, area code beef. Oh, which, you know, I, I saw that yeah. on the news article and I was Yeah, so area strange. code beef. And that's, I mean, unless you're like in the loop of like drug cartels and things like that, where it's like, <laughs> like you're losing actual yeah, money yeah, yeah. from that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like it's all just fake. It's yeah, all it's, just, it's, really it's not, it's stupid. nothing, you know, where you live does not dictate whether you should kill someone or not. Mm. So that that is just yeah straight Asia culture. Yeah, that's nothing. That's nothing gangster about that. Yeah, yeah. Like in the photos um, from that from those news articles I saw, everyone was just dripped out in you know the Nike or yeah yeah Lacoste straight from JD just, Sport. Just, yeah, yeah, I know. Straight from JD yeah, Sport. So. Just buy JD Sport. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, was that culture there before? Like, you know, us going into year eight, year nine. I mean, definitely, I think it's always, yeah. well, not always been there, but for example, my brothers, yeah. older brothers, they're 27. Oh, okay. When I started wearing TNs to our dim sum lunches, they were going, <laughs> huh, huh, really? This is you now, huh? This is you now. And I was like, yeah, this is me. This is me. Um, so it's definitely there before. I mean, there. they yeah. went to Waverley, which is in the CAS type circles. That's, mm. that's pretty much the toughest school. Yeah. Um, and yeah, well, really, yeah, it, it, it I think it's always, it's been, always there. been there, but... Um, but now it's just getting more and more steam. Um, mm. and a lot of youths get lost yeah. to those sorts of yeah. things, especially in like lower socioeconomic areas. I mean, because families, not like parents or whatever, but everyone sort of, sees it way more present than if you're at Knox because at Knox, which is our school, yeah, it's a lot more, I'd like to say, uh, like aristocratic in a way. Like it's very high end mm. and the kids that get lost to it, I mean, they're not actually even proper eshes. No, I agree. They're yeah. just, well, junkies. That's what I think anyway. Yeah. And before you talked about, for example, Top Gun. Wait, Top. Top Boy. Top Boy, sorry. Um, I was talking with uh fred you know fred fred on a while back yeah, yeah and we were talking about like um i think i think him saying uh you know groups like one four and what they talk they share the message of um brotherhood well yeah i don't really listen to any of the aussie um aussie one four things like that but do you think oh look i don't know yeah do they give a positive message oh look I mean, those sorts of messages from groups like One Four and yeah. those sorts, like they're like, they're like internationally recognized. Like you know, those aren't like Eshes. They're like they're they're pretty gangster, right? Mm. Like they're pretty gangster. Yeah. I mean, ASAP Ferg did a feature with them. Like, yeah. Oh really? He's like he's like oh, yeah. he's from like the Bronx. Yeah. Um, but those messages of brotherhood and everything, you have to realize that they're Polynesians. So yep. they're very family orientated okay, from yep. the beginning. Yep. Very family orientated, very community orientated. And many of these groups, music groups from Western Sydney, South Sydney, you got it like, for example, like the Lebanese, they, they, they 
race, like racism mm. happens, yep. right? Racism and they stick in communities. Um, and I don't blame them at all. Like those messages of brotherhood are actually quite positive yep. in my opinion. And yep. those sorts of lives that they've been caught up in, you know, it's it's mainly defensive in some, in some respects, right? Because they're, they're, Australia is a racist society. And these groups, you know, although in a life of crime and violence, that is to protect each other. And it's, I, I honestly don't really blame them. And they're sort of proper sort of gangsters. They're not just SJs who have dropped out of school and yep. decide, I'm just going to be like a net loss to society. Um, these are people that really, really, you know, have struggled and are trying to make ends meet not in the best means possible and sure there is a lot of violence and everything I've talked about it sort of sounds like I'm contradicting myself but those messages of brotherhood and family that is what this stems from mm. in those areas yeah so for a lot of these boys or, or girls in our like high-end North Shore area or e- even in other areas this is obviously a huge problem of them just being dragged into this you know, wanting to be a gangster, wanting to be big kind of culture. But I don't know. How do you think we can really help that problem? I mean, look, the people that are the proper gangsters have tough upbringings. Yeah. Okay. Tough upbringings, not a lot of money on the table. Yeah. Okay. You can understand why things like drug dealing would occur. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. Very profitable drug dealing, I assume. Yeah. Okay. So you understand how these things spur. But in terms of our area, my opinion is there's there's not really much, right? Like in the UK, for instance, there's many stories of kids that have gone to Eton or Harrow, which are the top boarding schools. Mm. You know, really rich kids fall off the tracks to drugs or whatever, want to be rebellious. Rebellious teenagers from high, um, high income high net worth families, that's inevitable. It will always happen. It will always happen. I mean, I have a sibling that has gone down that path severely, you know, severely. Um, you know, I have police in my house quite often. Um, and it's just, it's just sometimes the way people tick. And yeah. you've got to sort of realize that mental health, 100% is fully in play there. Mm. Um, a, huge catalyst for things like this. I mean, low self-esteem, depression, anxiety. That's where people turn to drugs. They turn to sort of a power trip. They want the power. Mm. Um, They want to intimidate people to make themselves feel worthy, to Mm. not have that anxiety or depression or make people feel better about themselves. So, I mean, it's it's more on a micro level than a macro. It's more, um, if you can prevent the mental health, I think that would be a big step. Yeah. Mental health issues. Yeah. When you were in that... Um, your little Eshe phase was that something you noticed of the people around you as well was that something not that really, was displayed not really because it was just Knox kids just having a bit of fun with yeah, it yeah, yeah. so it was just an experimental thing the people mm. that continued it however yeah. you know it's very it's very easy to see these mental health issues present you know it's they're not doing it for financial means or you know safety means they're purely doing it for some sort of identity. It's, it's yeah. sort of like an identity crisis that they had. And now they have to maintain that identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think going into going into these little Eshe phases, I think it's quite normal for a lot of um, a lot of kids. 
or throughout in their, in their life. But I guess, like you said, it is extremely dangerous if you don't have the proper guidance and you just get tossed away um, forever. And yeah, I mean, that, that's just all about your education, the people around you, your support networks. Yeah. So. And I mean, I'll speak openly here. Yeah. You know, my sibling, um, he, he has gone down that path and my mother has done, I mean, she has the will of like an ox. She is iron willed um, to help um, my younger sibling. And yet, you know, nothing really works, right? So it doesn't, he, he has had everything at his disposal, mm. um, but he doesn't want to take those initial steps just yet. Um, you got to realize you can, you can drag a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, Henry. That's, that's really the reality of these issues. Wow. Yeah. Damn, that's a, dude, that's a big line. A yeah, big bar you yeah. dropped. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, sign me up uh, <laughs> and record Universal re- Recordings. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, it, it, yeah, is, yeah. it is true. It yeah. is true. And they're big problems, but mental health is probably the biggest mm. problem. And that's an issue that, you know, you have psychiatrists who give medication, psychologists, all these things. But mental health, like my inspiration, Tyson Fury, it just spawns on people. You know, Tyson Fury is heavyweight champion of the world and he fell into a three-year depression. Wow. Okay, so you have to put sort of these things in perspective that sometimes you, you they, it has to come from within. They have to get so low that they just want to come back up and they're reaching to come back up. But until they're at that point where they just are doing anything to get help, you can just be there, you can support, but you can't necessarily um, force force yeah. the change it always has to come from your personal wants yeah and your personal inner absolutely power absolutely yeah so let's talk about your that that kind of drive that came to you um wanting to drop out of that SJ phase wanting to do something with your life oh look i remember <laughs> yeah i snuck out one night when i was like 14 15 years old mm. and um it was at my dad's house and I just, I mean, yeah, I, I just snuck out and I didn't come home. And my dad said, you're not coming home in the morning. You're not coming home. And I remember I just got on the train and I was thinking and uh, one of my friends picked me up and we were talking and I was in bed that day and I thought I got to make a change. And so well. that day I, um, I saw boxing. I saw the Tyson Fury fight and I was like, damn, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and and was so I just sort of leapt into it and sort of waved it all goodbye. Wow. It was just, yeah, it was just like that. I mean, I, that, that getting kicked out and not seeing my father, cause my father and I are extremely close. I was just at lunch with him before this recording. Mm. Um, and my father's sort of going, you can't come home. I don't want to see you. Uh, that sort of was my rock bottom. But it's all relative, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I could have gone way further. I could have become a heroin addict and overdosed three times, okay? And that could have been someone else's rock bottom. But that was mine, and I said, no, no more. Well, and that stepping away from that phase and going into boxing, that, that all stemmed in the span of like one or two days. It actually didn't. It, sorry, I, I probably should have cleared this up a little more. It was about a month later 
And my dad wasn't seeing me, wasn't communicating at all. Wow. Um, And I remember I got home from a party Mm. that someone had. And I was just going, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Um, And I saw the fight, saw Tyson's Fury story. I sort of assimilated with that a little bit. And I thought, this is, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And I texted my father that I was going to do this. And that's how we sort of reconnected through boxing. He took me to the gyms and everything. Got me signed up, took me to the trainings, talked to my coaches. That's how it all sort of spurred. Wow. Your your father seems like a very great mentor and guider. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he's always been very um, open in conversations with me. It's where I've become very inquisitive, mm. seeking guidance. I always have lengthy conversations with him. Lengthy, lengthy conversations. Talking about all sorts of things from politics to history to all sorts of things. And that's where he's very much fostered why I've um, sort of grown in the academic world. Mm. Yeah. So talk me through your journey in boxing. Boxing? Yeah, was boxing something your dad was interested in as well? Yeah, yeah, to a certain degree, to a certain degree. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was just so new. Um, and Mm. there was so much to learn. Like before you step in a ring, you got to do months of training. You can't just step straight in and just learning and learning. And the coaches were giving me a lot of confidence. It was a new identity. Um, and I wasn't doing anything with essays, wasn't hanging out with any of the wrong crowd anymore. I was just very, um, straight and narrow from Mm. then on in. And I was just focusing on boxing. And when I started getting into the ring, it became a place where you can only focus on that. There's nothing Mm. external because you're focusing on just not getting knocked out, right? And you're just focusing on punching the guy and not getting hit. And it was just this, it had like this beauty to it, right? Yeah. You're just in this bubble where there's no, um, no distractions and it's a, a place where you can sort of switch off while you're so switched on. And there, there was sort of beauty in that. And I really enjoyed that. And it, it gave you a lot more catharsis in your own life and balancing yeah. the other stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm very like uh, reflective. So a lot of lessons I, uh, I took from that, the discipline um, yeah. and the dedication that you needed to that. And I, I have applied that throughout my life. But it's also the external influence that I had, such as my mother. As I've said, she's an iron-willed woman. She will not give up, ever, ever. I would throw in the towels a hundred times before my mom would. And so that is also an inspiration to me to always keep going. Wow. Always keep moving forward, yes. Brown down, bro. Good man. Yeah, I mean, with boxing and your parents, it's definitely, you know, trans transpired to all the other aspects that you've been able to succeed in life. And... That's something I've grown a lot more, you know, understanding of for the past while. Um, I always thought that for those athletes who do well, stereotypically, they won't be good at the other stuff. They'll be, you know, stupid. They won't know how to balance whatever relationships because that's the only thing they're good at, just throwing a ball, whatever. But I come to realize that those um, strengthening mindsets that you gain from that sport you're able to you know translate that into all the other aspects in your life for example uh academics and perhaps maybe like relationships and friendships as well 
I mean, absolutely. I think the big thing with some of these, like, as you said, athletes really emerging in year 11, I mean, you saw a few of them. Mm. In my opinion, that that became evident when there was ranks. So when people started getting ranked, you know, all these athletes in... In rugby, for instance, you're competing for a jersey all the time. You've been bred to compete, right? That's all you do. You're belting your mates to edge them, okay? So when ranks came into play, I think most of us were just like, you know, F everyone else. Yep. Right? Like, I'm going to beat you, okay? Because it's not like you can get the same letter, okay? It's either you're one or you're two, okay? As soon as that came into play, I think it changed the game for a lot of people who have been growing up in competitive environments, it lit a fire under a lot of people. But other people shied away from that, okay? Um, yeah. And I think you either... I mean, this world is a competitive world. You either, you know, face the fire or run from the fire. And a lot of my mates who have now just sort of shot up out of nowhere, that it all just came down to as soon as there was a number and people started going, what did you get in a test? And you were just like, I am going to beat this guy. Yeah. If my life depends on it, I'm going to beat you. Yeah. And it also then became personal, right? It became personal. It was like these people that have, you know, shoved it in my face that I've been stupid for many years. Wow. You're getting got, you know, you, you're, you're getting it on this test. And it's very satisfying to see kids who are just very, had a lot of hubris and just going, you got 16? Yeah. 18. (laughs) F you. I walk away, walk away. And there's plenty of kids still like that who just haven't gotten the message that you can't just have this absolute arrogance about you because it just, it it absolutely makes people just want to do better than you. And it's just gonna, like that is, that was a huge driver for me. I remember when I started getting some year 11 results back in the first test and I started, people started to ask, you know, what do you get? And I'd say, oh, I got this mark. And like, wow, that's really good for you. I was like, oh, oh, for you, for you, Jesus, for you. They've been dusted ever since, Henry. Dusted, <laughs> dusted. They're out of the radar now. Holy cow! You know, when when you start hearing things like that, you know, obviously they had the grounds to sort of say that from my year ten results, but that sort of you know condescending behaviour lights a fire inside you, and sometimes you've got to make things personal, in my opinion. I make them all the time. These I sort of romanticize these conflicts. Yeah. Um, and that's a huge driver. Huge driver. You know, when the ATARs come out, it like I might need X mark to get into a course, but I still want to beat that yeah, other bloke. Hundred yeah. percent. That's all you want to do. And it, in every aspect of the academic hierarchy at Knox, those conflicts are happening. Mm. And that's what pushes everyone up. Yeah, hundred percent. You really got that Michael Jordan last dance. Yeah. Vibe going, bro. I mean, look, in saying that as well, like I am a collaborator. Yeah. I mean, I, my friend JT, shout out JT. (laughs) um, Yeah. We, we combine on absolutely everything. We do all the same subjects. We combine on everything and he shares all the same mentality, the same work ethic. So we halve the work, double the minds, um, share complete transparency and it's, it's worked beautifully. It's worked absolutely beautifully. And he shares the same sort of philosophy where it's these other kids that, you know, have sort of been condescending in the past or whatever. You just, you just really want to just, you know, stuff you, man. Yeah. Like you really thought you were the man because you're in Da Vinci in year eight. And it's like, you're not all that special. You know, you're still human. 
and th- those yeah, sort of, yeah. it sounds very you know yeah no, no, very no, dude, like I, narcissistic I, but no, yeah. it's that in my opinion if that's sometimes you have to romanticize mm, your yeah, own yeah, sort of yeah. fantasy no i i love that philosophy of having that grit of you know yes screw screw this guy screw that guy i have to beat you because they wronged me in the past yeah even if it's a, it's a small thing and we're told to you know oh just just forget about it but i think those moments are awesome because they light that fire in you yeah i mean getting a bad mark in the test yeah um you know i i it's of course a failure in your own opinion but I mean, I always let that be a lesson and it always wow. fires me up for the next semester. If I get a bad mark in one semester, best believer I'm going to come back stronger <laughs> in the next. Hell yeah. Because like it just, you just get fired up. Mm. You just get really angry. Not like you're not riding there like sweating in fury, <laughs> but you sort of just have this chip on your shoulder and you need yeah. a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I think it was Ollie Sved that said one time, you know, if you're at the top of the mountain, the only way that you can go is down. So always sort of try and be, you know, just always coming up on the mountain, always yeah. having that fire to do better and better. Because if you're at the top, you get very complacent. Do you think that has, that message has always spiraled in your head of, I have to, you know, keep saying, I have to keep working hard? Yeah. I think I've always had a chip on my shoulder and always have needed an identity. Um and that, that's been something that has characterized my life. And also because, like, I mean, my family, members of my family have suffered heavily from um, things like substance abuse. Um, and I've sort of always thought, like, there will be kids that sort of have, like, a really, like, nice sort of gentle life and complain about very small things. Mm-hmm. And also just have it pretty easy. Like they get a lot of tutoring or a lot of this or a lot of that. And I go to Knox. I'll be the first one to put my hand up and say I'm a privileged person. But I also do get angry when, or not angry, but have just this chip where it's like, I want to do more with less. Um, And seeing, you know, going into an exam where I know that there's possibly been police in my house two nights before or police in my house the night before interviewing me and still managing to edge the other kid, this very satisfying feeling. And that's something that like has just always sort of fired me up and gone, I'm going to do better, going to do more with less. You know, I want to eliminate this kid's excuses. And it's sort of, it's sort of just very like bring down to put yourself back up sort of mentality. But mm. I don't know. It's just when you see a lot of kids complaining about factors that have gone on, um, you sort of go, well, I want to just take take everything and do it with sort of all these hurdles and wow. sort of have this come up story. And I don't know. That's sort of what's really been a big driver for me. So cr- that that creating that narrative in your head, yeah, and that fascination, that that's always something which comes up. You re- you think? Yeah, like I I life. sort of create a narrative yeah where it's like if i can do this with these sort of yeah factors then like how good am i but then things go wrong when it's all right and that brings me right back down to earth and i think i've always found it very hard to sort of um stay stay humble in a way mm-hmm. um and my mum 
always tries to bring me back down, tries to bring me back down. Yeah. Um, but staying down, staying humble is probably also a big thing. Like I said, a chip on your shoulder, staying humble, not, not being the kid, not being what you wanted to sort of compete against. Don't be the guy that's like, that's a great mark for you. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Yeah. Don't be that guy. Yeah. Okay. If your friend gets a bad mark in a test, or has something happened to him, you're there to lift him up. You're there to say, it doesn't actually matter. Try and put it in perspective for them. Hmm. Try and say, you've done, like, this has happened to you before. Give experience, give lessons. Yeah. Um, don't try and push them down, say, you know, you're effed. You're effed for the year. That's it. Your HSC is done, mate. Yeah. That's it for you. Yeah. Because I remember one of my mates, he accidentally, um, it was a business test and he didn't see the back pages. So he, he dropped like 15 marks in this business test or 10 marks in this. Uh, no, it was 11 marks in the business test out of 40 automatically because he didn't answer those questions. And he's come back this semester and got the highest mark. Jesus. In, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's just that insane chip on his shoulder um, that I just absolutely respect 100%. And it was like, good on you. He was the exemplar response for the task. Wow. Yeah. So That's awesome. props to him. And that's the sort of mentality that I, I think all the all my mates brought to him. It was like, it's it's not game over. Just mm. grind, get yeah. fired up, get angry, and just yeah. go for it. Yeah. And he did, and he's going, and he's halved what his rank was, and he'll halve it again and halve it again. You know, he'll he'll do real well. Dude, and, yeah, 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 hundred percent. From my experience as well, moments where I've completely been hit down from a test, where I felt like personally I studied a fat time for and i just get like a crap result um yeah it fires me up as well and i wrote in my because I, I try to reflect as well on what i did wrong what i did good i wrote down that you know i felt this fire there's a rage inside me and i was just telling myself i gotta hold hold on to this and i did and then i ended up getting a bomb result and excellent yeah so, exactly and i good. think i think those who do that you know, inevitably will probably succeed in life. I mean, you do extension two math, right? I mean, I hear it's a dog-eat-dog world up in those classes. Like, you know, kids leading each other in the wrong directions on purpose, sabotage, all these types of rumors have spurred from that. And I mean, shame on those kids, for starters. I mean, if they're listening right now, you know, shame on you. I mean, really? Really? I mean, you cheap Emma... Like, you cheap motherfucker. Like, I'll okay, say it. Yeah. I'll say it. Yeah. Like, cheap. Mm. Cheap. Um, but I guess that's what you have to sort of realize is that, that that competitiveness is there. Yeah. And you either rise to it or you crumble under the pressure. I mean, diamonds do form under pressure. That's what I have to say about that. Wow. And, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, from your experience, do you think... Obviously, you have that edge of, I want to be this person, I want to be that person. And I think, would you think it would have been brought up by, for example, rugby and boxing? Uh, I think it's just natural. It's just natural, yeah. I think it's just, some people have yeah. it, some people don't, right? Yeah, yeah. Some people want to, and also, I, with academics, coupled by, the, coupled by my medication mm. as well. I mean, if you're struggling in school, I have, my suggestion is... Why don't you go get tested for ADD? It changed my life completely. Yeah. Um, and it had some negative side effects. For example, I'll drop four kilos in a term from wow. not eating. 
But it, every time I'm on my medication, mm. I sort of start thinking about goals or I start sort of stressing, but a good stress. Mm. It's a good stress. It's yeah. like, I got to do this today. I got to do that today. I got to do this, this, and this. Mm. If I don't do this, then this is going to happen. Whereas if I'm not on my medication, for example, on the holidays, I'm just lazy. I'm like a hippo, yeah. you know, unless I'm on my medication. Yeah. And so those, that, that for me was the magic pills, the red pill. Wow. You know? Um, so if you're struggling in school, never think that ADD is some mental sort of deficiency. Mm. It's not. I mean, I'm living proof that a lot of kids that would have probably made fun of some kid having ADD, I'd do better than now. So wow. never, never have that sort of perspective. Um, I mean, people struggle with all sorts of things and they still do extremely well. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, bro. I'm so proud of you for being able to just say that you had, you have these, you know, so openly. I mean, yeah. ADD, there isn't much of a stigma around it. I yeah, don't think, yeah. but some people definitely do. I mean, mm. I've told people before, yeah, yeah. I have ADD and they go, Oh, what? <laughs> what? And it's like, it's like, I've just said, I have like, I don't know, like yeah. cerebral palsy or something. Like, it's like, I just can't believe it. It's like, yeah. what do you mean? I'm just that it, I, I literally just can't be as attentive. I mean, one of my mates, his brother was very similar to me, extremely ADD. Mm. Uh, he got a 99.9 when he got on the meds. He got a 99.9. Now he's in the States doing electrical engineering. Wow. And I like astrophysics. I mean, extremely Jesus. intelligible person. Yeah. Um, and it happens all the time. So go get tested if you mm. have, yeah. if you think you're not doing so well in school, you can't concentrate. Just get on the medication. Okay. And mm. people have a negative stigma about medication, like ADD pills. Mm. It's like Ritalin or, you know, Vyvanse or whatever yeah. medication you might take. They think it's like you're a meth addict or something like that. Yeah. Because the pills actually are an amphetamine. Mm. Um, and they think that it's just, you're taking drugs the whole day. Yeah. But you're, you're really not. I mean, God, imagine if I went to rehab for taking Ritalin. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to say? What have you? What has been so destructive in your life? Oh no, I've actually improved in all these areas from it. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to rehab for that. No yeah. one. It's it's only been beneficial. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So, do you think that competitive edge? So, I was, so I was talking with Swari, and what he said was that he didn't really have that competitiveness of I want to be this guy, I want to be that guy. What he talked about was how he just wanted to live up to his own personal expectations. Do you think that message correlates with you? What do you think? I mean, look, Henry, going into year 11, my personal yeah. expectations was, mm. let's try and hit a 90 for a predicted yeah. ATAR. Like, yeah. let's try my best mm. to hit it. And then when I got my predicted ATAR, I was like, frick. <laughs> okay, right. So I just, I've exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Everything now is a bonus. Okay, like mm. I've even looked up what degrees I want to do, and like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming all goes well. I'm going to university and I'll go to a nice university and get a good degree. Like, now it's just like you need something else. I'm not trying to be a doctor, okay, um, and I don't have any inclination to go into law, I think it would be boring. Um, so now it's just a bonus, and it's now sort of like a a game it's like who can i beat how far can i go and who knows how far because i tell you what at the start of year 11 i thought man if i make it to the middle of the pack i will be cheering 
I'll be absolutely cheering. I, wow. If I can just tread water, I'll be so happy. Yeah. And sometimes that's also something you have to, you have to give it a go. You never know what you can do. Yeah. You, you have literally no clue about your own um, ability, mm. but you have to give it a hundred percent. I mean, yeah. so many kids that would be beating me in, and like most, most people, they just don't put in the time. It becomes a, it becomes a game of effort, mm. which is concurrent throughout your life or, or in my point of view those who hold their breath the longest win in my opinion and well i think that if anyone listening to this can just go effort two more terms left or if you're starting year 11 i got a year left or mm. year 10 i got x amount of time left i'm just gonna plug away just gonna go my absolute hardest for this period yeah and let's see what i can do i guarantee you you're gonna do a lot better than you ever thought you could yeah guarantee it yeah usually when you decide to put in just a, like a small amount of effort, it usually over jump and usually go a lot further than what you yeah. initially thought. Yeah. I mean, people, people underestimate, uh, sorry, they overestimate what they can do mm. in a day, but underestimate what they can do in a year. I mean, you have to, you, people who put in a little work normally expect uh, great results because they thought they've done mm. work, but people yeah. who do a lot of work um, often are concerned that they haven't worked hard enough. Yeah. And those are like, in my opinion, the winners, the people that are always thinking I haven't done enough. Mm. You have to have that mentality. You've never done enough. You know, you go to bed, wow. you start, stop finishing studying at 9 p.m. and you've started at 3.30 and you've been studying your, your brains out for this test day in, day out and you still go, oh, I don't think I've done enough. That's when you're a winner. That's when you're going to do well. Oh, yeah. Whereas if you've gone, well, I've done three days of study you know, three days before the test and go, wow, I should get a 20 out of 20 for this. Mm. Don't expect a 20. You know, you have to have that mentality. Oh, yeah. So, Freddie, I think you just talked a lot. Of, we just had a little cut there. I just wanted to check the audio. But can you run me through kind of what a day in the life of Freddie looks like from your studying? Your okay. Yeah. A day in the life. All right. So, a typical day normally starts at 5.50 in the morning. Wow. Um, Monday through to Friday because most two or three of those days will consist of gym at 6.30. You know, you've got to get that work in uh, with the boys. Hell yeah. Um, which is a good start to the day. Yeah. I mean, people hitting PRs in the gym and everything, it always mm. gets the day off going well. Uh, and if I'm not, then I'm in the senior center putting in a bit of work with JT. And then that will consist then around 7.50 breakfast, have a bacon and egg roll from the canteen. Lovely, <laughs> lovely. Uh, and then classes. Uh, and classes, always trying to maximize time there. Although some classes, you know, naturally you can sort of fall into a bit of procrastination sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, assuming classes are all going smoothly, then you either have training in the afternoon um, which takes up quite a bit of time. That's like a two, two and a half hour affair. Um, hopefully get home at like 5.30. How many days um, a week do you have training? Two, two Arvo trainings or th no, three Arvo trainings now. Uh, yeah. But one is shorter. One is shorter. That ends around 4.45. Mm. Um, and then go home, have a shower and then hit the books till about nine o'clock. I like to get off at nine, yeah. have about 50 minutes to watch a show on TV or just mm. go on the phone, have a lie down 
and then hit the hay by 9.50 and hopefully fall asleep by about 10.10 and get seven, eight hours wow. sleep. Good stuff. Sleep's important, man. Yeah. Like sleep and eating. You got to make sure you're healthy, right? Mm. If if you're sleep deprived, I mean, you how how much you can stay focused and how productive you are, your productivity just goes down mm. sort of exponentially. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess in economics, as you'd know, they talk about productivity is how much how much like is like a finite amount of input, how much yeah. you can get as an output, and yeah. you got to make sure you're as productive as possible yeah not how many hours but how much you can do within those hours that's what i believe in and do you reckon when you put pen to paper they are always extremely top-notch efficient i try to be i try to be i mean sometimes it's just boring work and it's just Mm. grueling um but luckily i quite enjoy all my subjects the one bit i do hate is just having to commit it to memory oh i mean i I enjoy like formulating essays or like formulating mm. concepts or making the notes, um, sending f- things in for feedback from teachers, but then going on Anki or things like that and just trying to like route learn it. That's the bit. That's, yep. that's when I'm just hating life really. <laughs> yeah. But believe it or not, you know, writing an economics essay, I mean, there's things I'd rather do, but it's not the worst thing in the world for sure. Yeah. I mean, I actually quite enjoy those sorts of things. I enjoy being in class. Mm. I enjoy my day. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you would just put in like five, I don't know, four or five hours just nonstop or would you have yeah, like little no. breaks in between? I mean, like... How did I you normally, perfect your study um, strategies? I mean, I definitely try and, you know, write down... JT and I actually have an Excel sheet oh, of nice. what we're going to do. Um, yeah. And we'll have times where we sit down and combine, times when we just do independent study. Mm. And then basically, yeah, I try and either lock my phone up for like either like the week or the day or the time I'm studying and just go no phone. Well, pen to paper, let's just go. And as soon as you get into the flow, you're in the flow. And that's why things like Pomodoro, sometimes I'm a bit skeptical about Mm. because when 25 minutes is up or 50 minutes is up and you break that flow, then going, getting, you know, back into it, that's a yeah. bit sticky. That's a bit, mm. that's a bit difficult in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and having a five minute break, you know, you're spending the next five minutes when you're studying, trying to like, you know, rev yourself back into it really yeah. in my opinion. So yeah. try and get into the flow to have dinner. Um, if you're not in the big block, try and, you know, have dinner with your family, have a little laugh, um, and then that food actually uh, will make me have a good back end to the study as mm. well. I do notice that little pick up in energy. Mm. Um, but yeah, sleep is definitely important. Yeah. I, I, you know, when I'm when I'm out of my what's it called? Yeah, rhythmic. I don't know your sleep yeah, cycle yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm having I'm I'm crap. I'm crap. Yeah, and it's just not effective. Mm. So you're saying around like. Three or four hours. Yeah. So from 5.30 to 9. Or if I have... Or if I'm not training that day, then 4 o'clock till 9. Wow. And just go for it. That's really good. Try and do... I'd normally try and do a subject or two a night. Mm. Um, And my biggest advice is feedback. Um, That's something I... My my results this time were good. They were good. But Mm. I think I could have done better had I 
sent in more feedback. I sent in a lot of feedback for economics and I did well. Mm. And for English, same, same. Um, but for other subjects, didn't do it as much. And you can see where the parallels are in the marks. Mm. Um, so, you know, never get arrogant where you think you know what you're doing. Yeah. Because you don't. I mean, the teachers are going to, they'd wipe you out of the waters if they wrote an essay. Yeah. So hand in your essays. I mean, I know you, Henry. <laughs> I mean, we should have the same economics yeah. teacher, different classes. She so, she showed a paragraph for you. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> for that economics. Was, that was very lucky. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, mate. mate. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Too. Absolutely not. But... I mean, feedback, right? Yeah. I mean, surely yeah. you agree. It's, good, yeah. it's, it's the go-to. It's the holy mm. grail. Um, obviously, with things like maths, I know you've, you do four units of maths. Um, that's a lot of units. Uh, but yeah, things like maths, for instance, I mean, you can sort of get away with no feedback. I assume you'd see the right or yeah, wrong. Yeah, you don't really need feedback. Uh, but for yeah. humani- humanities mm. type subjects, that's, that's your bread and butter. So... Could you run me through your subjects again? So or I do like, yeah. economics, economics, business, maths, English, um, and ancient history. And you enjoy all of them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maths, sometimes. Um, <laughs> but English, I, yeah. you know, contrary to, you know, a, a lot of mm. people's opinions, English is quite good because it's not so much the text that you're studying, but the concepts behind oh, it. I agree, yeah. And so that, if you delve into those aspects, looking beyond the text and really what its subliminal messaging is, that's when things like that get interesting. And yeah. you're like, all right, this is this is a lot more than just reading about some just linear mm. character plot or arc. Yeah. It actually has a lot of messaging behind you speaking to those messages. Yeah, I agree. Those is when it gets interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see myself... And a lot of those concepts that we learn, they apply directly to our lives. And yeah. We notice those things. Exactly. There's, like, yeah. there's, there's parallels. Yeah. And those books are meant to sort of um, mm. make you think about those parallels and more deeply and introspectively about life. Yeah. And for that, I enjoy it. Economics. I mean, coming into economics in year 11, I was like, I was talking to Miss Cal, which is our year coordinator and also an economics teacher at Knox. Mm. I have a great relationship with her. And I was just saying, ma'am, I don't know how I'm long i'm gonna survive in this uh but i just ended up just absolutely just Mm. loving economics and it was just a very interesting uh thing same as business and all the subjects i chose i got very lucky i just loved them all Mm. were you always very curious about these things like english economics business yeah i mean my family is all sort of in that world Mm. um so i've always sort of thought to myself that's probably the path i'm going down on Things have, I don't know, I'm still thinking about it quite deeply, but I mean, those things have always naturally interested me. Wow, Business awesome. has always interested me. Yeah. Uh, same as economics. Although going into economics, I didn't really know what it was. Yeah, same. I didn't really know what it was. I just thought, okay, this is probably about money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same, and everyone same, same. wants money. So yeah. So let's do this. But really, yeah. I mean, as a lot of people would probably know, economics is a social science. And just seeing it's mm. just how a government sort of persuades people to spend money yeah, so that yeah, people yeah. can actually prosper. And it's all really about trying to navigate quality of life. Mm. And I think it's quite interesting in that perspective. Just yeah. sort of things that don't really impact you on your day-to-day life that you don't notice that are sort of frameworks moving. Mm. And those frameworks over the long run are dictating what you're doing with your life. Yeah. 
And I think that's quite cool. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, yeah, they applies to so many things um, yeah. that we see firsthand, yeah. But, like, like Miss Cal says, and, um, I mean, you know, when, like, Horton... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Genius, when he gave yeah. us, like, a little speech, um, he talked about how you got to keep up with the economy and read articles, read books. Is that something that you like to do as well? Yeah, I mean, my family dinner time conversations can actually naturally revolve around those topics as well um i mean my brother my older brother's girlfriend yeah she won like awards at uts for like behavioral economics and things like that like all like she came first in her course for economics Mm. so i mean those sorts of things obviously for year 12 it's like none of those sort of deeper concepts have any application but just them talking about it yeah and me sort of using applying my knowledge to conversations has helped Mm. me also just having a naturally invested interest seeing on the news Mm. i mean jt (laughs) i remember one time him calling me saying have you have you checked have you checked the abs (laughs) you checked the abs have you checked it i'm like no what the hell i'm watching tv right now (laughs) Well, guess what? The inflation has just spiked again. What? <laughs> and uh, awesome. I guess sort of that sort of led us just sort of loving it. We just sort of just really just liked doing it. Wow. And it was just really interesting because it was so current. It's like when you're doing something like, for example, business, mm. which, um, I mean, it's all theory. It's all theoretical. Um, and it's like you can't really see the micro movements of small to medium businesses mm. whether it is with economics we're learning just all this macro type information you can yeah. see it just performing right in front of you yeah and it's quite cool mm. yeah dude i mean i bro, i gotta get jt on the podcast as well yeah it's like I a mean, very interesting yeah guy. no um yeah he <laughs> we were actually listening to this in the car <laughs> once that's how this sort of stemmed yeah so yeah 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 well, bro, you and, like, JT are literally the prime perfect example that all teachers want. For example, Miss Cow, she's like, oh, you have to be in love with economics. You got to, you know, look at the new APS stats. You got to look at the articles. And, bro, it's bloody amazing that you actually have that genuine, passionate interest in what's going on. Yeah, it's, 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 it's genuine. Like, mm. for example... I'm not like researching, like, for example, with maths, I'm not like researching different like maths concepts <laughs> all the time. That's not, that's not me. It's yeah. not me. Yeah. Um, but some people do and, yeah. you know, credit to them, credit mm. to them. And, but that's sort of what I would like to apply to my life as well. Mm. What I'm interested in is what I will do. Yeah. And you reckon, yeah, hundred percent, that's a road where you want to go down to. Not particularly, actually. Um, mm-hmm. What I really want to do is work in the startup space. Oh, hell yeah. Um, that's, that's my, it's been my lifelong ambition. I mean, wow. when I was sort of like nine years old, I remember, or eight years old, I used mm. to talk with my primary school principal about like making like a company and stuff. And yeah. then I made this company when I was about eight years old called Rocks. Spelled R O X, not a real company, of course. But I made yeah. everyone in my year group dig up rocks in the garden beds <laughs> at school and give them to me. Everyone, it was like forty kids. They'd... And so I got in a bit of trouble. Not really trouble. They were like, yeah. obviously health and safety. You can't okay. just make kids in like two degree weather. 
dig up yeah. rocks with their freezing hands. But I wasn't being a dictator. They wanted to do it. They wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, but then the principal uh, t- sort of took me under his wing and uh, yeah. let me uh, design sort of like this playground, which wow. was pretty cool. And then from that, I mean, I've always just had this really big vested interest in sort of creating a business, mm. uh, but a startup, which is a lot different to just a normal business, you know, something that's actually going to be significant and make an impact or sort of change a course in how we do, you know, um, do things in our daily lives. That to me is the be all end all. Like that's, ex- that is a hundred percent what I want to do. Wow. And does that thought always keep you motivated? Yeah, but I also realize, I mean, what I don't want to do in life is have a linear type life. So I don't want to just go to university, get a job, climb the corporate food chain, retire at 50, 60 years old with a nice big fat pension, a nice house, wife and kids. That's not me. It never has. I want to, you know, do my degree, hop outside, work in a few startups for a few years and then go out on my own, win, lose or draw and just keep going. Just keep on going. Wow. And hopefully one day it's just going to hit. But it's an exponential type life, right? But that isn't just one sort of exponential lift. It has fluctuations within that. I mean, my father sort of said to me, you know, normally those people eat, you know, crap for five years and then it hits or it just may never hit but i thought to myself well if it doesn't just keep on going keep on going because i might as well try and have a significant life since i only have one then just settle for average that's been my philosophy throughout i want to have a significant life have an impact on the world exactly not be famous but significant Mm. that's that's been a big thing in my life um and I'm not going to do that by, you know, climbing a corporate food chain. I mean, how many Fortune 500 CEOs do you know, Henry? Yeah, tiddly squat, tiddly squat, none. Because those people, just, they've just climbed the food chain their whole lives. Where there is someone like a Musk, not saying I'm ever going to be a Musk. Maybe. But maybe, Henry, maybe. <laughs> but those sorts of people, you know, the Zuckerbergs, they have made a significant impact in our lives and for that they will probably be remembered and that is a very very cool thought but you're not going to do that by not taking risk and people do say you know the biggest risk you can take is none at all so that's my piece my jeez dude wow (laughs) yeah it's a lot yeah Yeah. I mean yeah no I, I always wanted like I always pictured myself as well that I wanted something more. I didn't want to just, you know, graduate from high school, go to a uni, just go through the, you know, just, just sit through the four years and just jump into like a job I work for the rest of my life. That yeah. just seems, you know, you, just, you don't want that. I mean, even I've always thought at uni, I'm going to have a lot of time. I mean, I'm going to probably have a part-time job and an income because, I, you know, I don't want handouts for my parents my whole life. Um, but I was thinking, yeah, in uni, even try and make something small, mm. experiment. I mean, what I want to do as a degree is computer science. That's really so, that's really what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and I have a vested interest in doing that. I'm pretty set on it now. Mm. Um, and just trying to 
start something, win, lose, or draw. Just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Make the relationships, build the contacts, garner the experience. Yeah, mm. you don't, you do only live once in this life. Just living a normal, linear life with no sort of big breaks or hurdles or excitement. I mean, what fun is that? Yeah, you know what life is that to live? Mm. That's my opinion. Do you always have that? thought running in your head that i have to improve i have to improve yeah like improvement as long as you improve one percent every day you know you improve 365 percent a year yeah no as the old thing goes um but some days you're not going to improve some days you're going to improve 10 percent you know it's it's again fluctuates yeah but the thing with me is experience okay because at the time of this podcast i'm going to look Maybe I'll look back on this in 10 years and go, wow, yeah. how wrong was I? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I always have those moments, you know, six months ago, God, how wrong was I? Mm, and I am wrong right now in aspects. Mm. Um, but just having those experiences, getting them under your belt, I'm a hands-on learner. Yeah. God, I can't, I'll take someone's word for it, but I have to see for myself. Mm. Yeah. Um, sorry, ju- jumping a little bit. Um, going back to what you said about, you know, you wanted to have a startup. Um another well like the main thing that really drew me to you like drew you to me was the fact that you were such a amazing speaker and communicator and um you know when i was a lot younger or even just recently i always had that philosophy that it's okay if i'm not a perfect speaker if i'm not that you know extroverted because i'll get good grades and that will carry me throughout life but that's really not the case because I think although it can reach you to a level of just, you know, working hard and studying just by yourself isolated, if you don't have that ability to communicate, convey a message, storytell, then you won't be able to, you know, make those connections, build those bonds. Yeah, I mean, it's to a certain degree, right? Yeah. I mean, in Australia and you you hear this narrative, this sort of like racist, like dogma that's like what like white parents will tell their white kids right Mm -hmm. it's like oh you know those asians they don't know how to communicate we know how to communicate blah 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 that's what's gonna i actually don't think that's the case at all okay if through sure you need to be a good communicator to sell a product or you know sell yourself sure sure by all means yeah Okay, but if you're telling me Mark Zuckerberg, when he was starting <laughs> okay. out with some baller communicator, I'll laugh yeah. you out the door. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. What, the, this world is, I mean, for example, the guy who created Ethereum, man, he couldn't, he couldn't sell, you know, he couldn't sell water to a man dying of thirst. Okay? This is, I think his name's Vitaly or something. He's, yeah, he's not a great communicator. Mm. In the tech world, okay, it's all just based on how much you're worth, really. Like, how good's your product? Is this actually, you know, is there a vision for this? Make a product so good that, you know, it eliminates the need to be this sort of wheeler dealer. Because the wheeler dealers, they make it far, but they don't make it all the way. Okay? And having those interpersonal skills definitely helps. Because let's think about how you start a business. You need seed money. You need need money, right? Mm. And you need to convince people to give you money. But for those who aren't good communicators or have been told that their shortcoming is just that they're just such hard workers and they don't have like a bouquet of, you know, interpersonal skills, Mm. it's not the case. I don't think it's the case at all. 
okay? Because real bright people that are going to give you what you need to succeed are going to see way past your shortcomings, okay? People who only highlight people's shortcomings, you know, they themselves aren't really worth that much. Whereas if they see, you know, your strengths, your product strengths, your value, that's where those people flourish. The Mm. big thing is the people that work very hard may be considered quite robotic, quite route learning. It's those who are quite conceptual, analytical, very creative. Those are the people that will succeed, not the people who just sort of just wrote, learn series of information and can just regurgitate. Mm. Um, Those who think more broadly and conceptually and see sort of the world as a string where if you pull one string one way, it's going to reverberate all through this web. Yeah. Those sorts of people, they're the winners. Not the people who can talk well or blah, blah, blah. I think that's an urban myth. Oh, like not being, oh, what, being able to talk well? Yeah, it's like, for, for instance, throughout my life, yeah. you know, I've heard over conversations with other parents, other just like, you know, oh, you know, white people. We're just great sort of like mm. we, you know, we communicate well, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's not really the case, right? It's you, to what they're trying to compare people to is that you're these people have like a larger than life type figure. But really, that just means they're wheeler dealers or just like sort of salespeople. It's those who are creative and can create these concepts and imagine mm. these things within that's sort of percolating in their mind and transform that into something that people can interact with and use and can impact people's lives. Those are the winners. Those are winners. If I'm employing people in a company, I'm looking for people like that. Not people who can sell me on a false reality, but people who can actually make the real thing, the real reality. That's what I believe is the winners. Yeah. So this it's not just binary. It's not just one side a route learning robots one people are just these charismatic mm. interpersonal people with sort of airheads yeah there's a middle ground where it's just these sort of genius type people who can create things and can also do a bunch of different tasks they may be interpersonal they may not be they may have a great memory you know it's all this middle ground it's not binary mm. and so those sorts of how do you say those sorts of people i think that's the person you want to emulate as much as yeah. possible. I think that's the most powerful thing that you can have, being able to communicate and then also have that hard work ethic. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah, I but mean, yeah. there's definitely a best of both worlds, but I mean, we're in a digital age, Henry, like a digital age, like you hear it all the time, but like the need for like, you know, these sort of guys in suits who are very good at talking. I mean, it's edging, it's phasing out and out and out. I mean... God, you only mm. have to, you literally only have to look at the big spaces in like the crypto market and the people who are creating those. They're not, they're not convincing anyone. They're just releasing a product that people like. Mm. Okay. But I guess on the contrary, you also have to think about some of the greatest communicators, Steve Jobs, you know, the jobs of the world where you would go out on that Apple stage and release these products and people mm. would just be, you know, grasped by that. Sure, Steve Jobs was a magician in that aspect and it served him very well throughout his life. But his counterpart, Bill Gates, mate, he wasn't doing any of that. He wasn't doing any of that. He wasn't releasing any products. He just sold software and he was very good at selling software. He made great software. 
Steve Jobs, on the other hand, convinced everyone that they needed an iPhone. He said, you know, it's a bicycle for the mind. It's a bicycle for the mind. It's going to revolutionize. It's going to do this and that. People believed they entertained that fantasy and it sort of was a self-fulfilling prophecy from there. So there's all sorts of ways to attack it. Just because you have a weakness doesn't mean that you can't be great. Bill and Steve Jobs. Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, age-old tale. Completely different. Completely different. Wow. Did you just change my whole philosophy on all of this? Yeah, I yeah. mean, look. Just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean mm. it's impossible. Okay? Every... You know, every week there's a new guy with a different story with people thought that it was impossible and he's done it. He's eliminated mm. that tick from the box. Mm. Okay? My biggest concern would be that people who are just academically praised for just being able to remember. And just being able to remember something will, in my opinion, not translate that well into the world. Mm. Mm. you got to be able to create your own ideas. Have that broader yeah. mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even on like a corporate setting. Yeah. I mean, every day in a corporate sort of life, you're still having to create mm. things from a pitch deck to this to that. Yeah. You're still having to apply yourself. It's all about application. Okay. Never are you just remembering information. you got to make decisions. Mm. Your ability to make the decision, that's what's going to count. Well, yeah. And... I mean, from these aspects that we talked about, um, they're all extremely important, you know, um, for a leader, for someone, for everyone to look up to. And, yeah, that's something that you obviously one day want to pursue. I mean, look, us going to Knox, we've seen like the whole prefect thing roll out. Okay. And within that, you know, the guys at the top end of the leadership spectrum, Definitely leaders, you know, the captains, the vices, you know, real strong leaders, definitely, definitely strong leaders. Mm. Okay. No doubt about that. Yeah. Okay. They could lead me into battle blindfolded. Okay. Sure. But also something like people who have, for example, Knox has manufactured or schools in general have manufactured this prefect leadership role where it's like, you are a leader if you get this. And they also say, you know, you don't have to you know, you can be a leader without the tie or the pin or the, you know, the title. But a lot of those thing, uh, concepts are formed of just, if you keep yourself within the fold, if you keep yourself within, you know, the road, then you're going to get that tie. That's going to be the reward at the end of the day. You join the extracurriculars, you do this and you do that, you're going to get the black tie. And they've manufactured it that way so people stay within the lines. They do the extracurriculars and everything. It's all it's all sort of manufactured that way, where the accumulation of different things are going to make you a so-called leader. Um, But I mean, God, you have to look at the world. Any major leader is never staying within the tracks. Okay, we're not talking about politicians here, but like for example, any corporate leader, any person that's emerging. Mm. I mean, Elon Musk. Mm. How many times does that guy play within the rule book? No, he's doing everything that sort of a business analyst would say not to do, you know, but fortune favors the bold. So stepping outside and going outside the realms of what's comfortable, although you might be punished for it, you also might hit it off. For example, a weird one, me with cadets. And I mean, I've 
always maintained a philosophy of I'm never gonna I'm I'm never gonna compromise myself and what I want to do for someone else's point of view of me. And so that's also why I wouldn't necessarily like to hop into like a corporate setting where I just have to follow I have to play a game. I have to play a game of like tag that. where or for example at Knox where you'd have to, you know, join this club or do this thing mm-hmm. or do this thing and all of a sudden you're you're a leader. Where I know for a fact there are multiple people with those ties on who are not leaders at all. They're just people that have done a bunch of things and they get a tie to sort of sign that off as a sort of recognition stamp. And so for those who aren't getting leadership roles or anything, don't ever be perturbed by that because the leaders generally aren't those people, generally. Um, But sure, for example, the school captains, the vices and others are 100% leaders and they will be leaders in the world. They will be leaders in different aspects of life and they will continue Mm. to do so. But other ones, they're doing it for, you know, not altruistic reasons. Mm. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've I've realized that leadership is an extremely, extremely important skill. Um, And I was talking with my sister's boyfriend um, and he was telling me how you know, in the big world that we have, there is there is more spaces for leadership than there are actual good leaders. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, from our like Knox perspective, um, of like a lot of the, you know, quote unquote leaders with the black ties, um, I guess I do agree that a lot of them aren't that, you know, perfect spec of a leader. There's just kind of like a cutoff where, you know, they they, they have to fill in these spaces but they don't yeah. actually have the ability to guide people and be inspirational, take them onto a road that's, well, that will like give everyone success. I mean, yeah. I think in order to be a leader, yeah. you got to lead, Henry. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, how many leaders that are so-called leaders are actually properly leading people and going, let's do this? You know, I don't, I couldn't, mm. I think I was at, I was doing the, so for those who wouldn't know, the Tarnami is like our school sort of um, support supporter group. So yeah. it's like we all go and like barrack for a certain sports team uh, that the school's playing. And we were at the swimming and I had all these black tie leaders coming up to me and saying, these guys up the back aren't, you know, they're not cheering, they're not cheering. I just turned to them and gone, you're the guy with the black tie. You lead them. You should have seen their face just dropped. <laughs> What? What? Actually got to go and lead? <laughs> and so off they went. Off they went. But like, it's just a classic example of like, man, dude, take the initiative. Yeah. Don't tell me your problems, fix them. I mean, that's what you said in your interview, surely. Mm. Like, that's what they would have put on their sort of applications. Do it. Mm. Um, and that just sort of shows you black and white, who's it, who's not. People that actually go up and do it, which there were off their own accord. And there's people that do it throughout the school. They're the proper leaders. But also, though, there's some leaders in the so-called school who are not so-called school, just school. Tripping, yeah, yeah, just the school. Um, yeah. yeah, who like to also just be an exclusive person and think that they are now better because they hold that mm. tie. I remember, I was playing. One of um, the school captain was going, we're going to play cricket with the year sevens at lunch. 
do you want to come play? And I'm like, absolutely, I'd love to. I'd yep. love to carve some year sevens up in a bit of cricket. <laughs> Got hit for about 26s, but it's yeah. fine. Yeah. But I remember one kid, won't name him, but he sort of just whispers in the background, I thought this was only for people with a black oh, tie or dude, whatever. Dude, that's and so it's just annoying. like, dude, Yeah. you know, like you're a, you're a piece of S. Like, <laughs> a piece of S. <laughs> like you're a yeah. piece of S, mate. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. That's... Yeah, those sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, I know that, really... bro. That, that really pisses me off as well. When they have a, a, a name tag status and they have to flaunt that to show that oh, they're a leader. Yeah. And they actually prove it. And my mates who are black tie leaders yeah. are, you know, absolutely humble with mm. it. You know, Abs- they, they really just take it in their stride. They do their due diligence. I mean, upstanding people. Mm. And, they, you know, my mates who are there, you know, Great leaders, mm. great leaders, very positive influences. Um, and I back them 100%. And they're always looking for extra. And they they conduct themselves in a great manner. Whereas mm. in other aspects of the school, I'll just be like, what, what are you doing? Like, I remember there was someone in my English class, got a black tie on, and he's playing online poker in class. <laughs> and it's just like, dude, what are you doing? At least do it at home. At least do it at home. Like, come on, man, yeah. get a grip. Yeah. Get a grip. Yeah. Um, and those are shortcomings within the system, but it's, mm. it's like I said, a system that's been manufactured to make you keep inside the lines. And that's something I would not encourage for anyone. Mm. Um, always push the boundary. See how far you can go. See what's good. See what's not. I mean, unless you go into the deep end and try and learn to swim, you're never going to get anywhere. You know, in order to learn to swim, go in the deep end. Yeah. That's my, that's my take on it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, with you, Freddie, like, even earlier on in your seven, year eight, where, I, well, where we know each other, you would be just this, like, figure that would step out of the lines. And sometimes, for example, on, like, uh, the cadets promotions course. Yeah. I remember you would just be doing, like, Fortnite dances on yeah. the side. And yeah. I was like, dude, this this dude just doesn't care. He just, you know, just jumps in, um, you know, not following the lines. And yeah. I mean, I mean, on cadet camp, yeah, I was getting my balls busted by uh, uh by the head, by oh, the really? head of my company. Just couldn't give a bar of it because I just always want to just do something what? extra. Yeah, and I, was, you know, sure, in cadets you do have to try and keep in the lines. But I remember, yeah, it got so bad that the head had to come see me. Really, um, but again, he was the guy that promoted me, and he said, in life a lesson be learned that some guys are just going to make want to just keep you inside the lines as much as possible wow. and some others like me just want to see you flourish by seeing how far you can go wow and you know so we sort of recognized that in each other and he said to me look for this just try and keep in as much as possible but i mean seriously henry this guy i remember i hit a cricket ball about five meters too far and this guy was like why'd you hit it that far and right. i was like dude it's a full toss it has to go for six it has to go for six mate like yeah it's just it's just how the game works and it's like mate that's just gonna happen all your life and you just have to realize you you have to pick your mates right or pick the people that are going to take you under their wing you got to recognize who your allies are for example the year coordinator miss cow has always backed me as a person and for that i can't thank her enough Always has had my back. And she's had everyone in the years back, really. She's been an absolute superstar. Mm. And that sort of character, that's what you always want in a job 
or in your life, but you're never always going to get. Sometimes you're going to get the guy on cadet camp who's just going to want to see everyone be a robot. And I don't believe in robots, okay? I believe in, you know, creative people or thinkers or doers or people just, just want to push, 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 see how far you can go. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the sort of culture that I want to see envelop. And it's the way Knox is changing. Knox is being more and more... I mean, think about 30 years ago. You see some of the like the older teachers who are still sort of hanging on to those sorts of philosophies, where there is new and up and coming teachers mm. are way different, way different. They're very much more creative and spontaneous and they want to see more and more critical thinking, those sorts of things. That's the way education's rolling and I'm mm. so happy to see it. Yeah. And Knox has embraced that so much um, is why it's such a successful school. Mm. Um, but people do need to take note of that. They do, they do. And take initiative, be creative. That's what I've got to say about that. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you don't really like playing by the rules. But you as a leader, for example, from your experience in cadets, um, you know, do you like to discipline people? Like keep them in line? Or do you just let them, you know, fly loose? I mean, I like to make sure they're not, for example, just outright just breaking rules. Yeah. Right? Like... You got to keep within, you know, the fabric. Okay, you got to keep within the fabric of what you're doing. Mm. But in terms of just wanting to do sort of extra stuff or just do more, yeah, make go for it. And the thing with my platoon was that I really said was no matter how much myself or we get battered or bruised or you know dissed, mm. we always just keep it together within ourselves and we take pride in who we are as a platoon and our identity. Mm. Um, as that and they all just sort of bought into that and so whatever I did or someone else did we would all back and we would follow on from those sort of small displays of leadership for example we were building like a hut and someone said they wanted to they thought leaves were a good sort of roofing everyone get the leaves <laughs> everyone do this everyone buying into everyone on what they do Wow. Um, and that's sort of a culture that I liked and I was happy to see and then when I was for example getting my balls busted by this guy my platoon would rally behind me. Mm. Um, or when someone else would act up, we would rally behind him. Not to say, you know, screw them, but just yeah. not sort of sort of isolate them. Um, I thought that was quite a beautiful thing to see on camp and I was quite happy with the culture we sort of created. But I do want to say what I think leadership really is, what you differentiate from a boss. A boss tells people mm. what activities to do. A leader creates a culture where people know what they have to do before it's said. And I think that is really the essence of leadership, creating a culture where people know what they're doing before they have to be told. Yeah. And that is really true leadership. Yeah. And I think also, I love the fact that you brought up this idea of a boss versus a leader. Yeah. I think a leader, being a good one, is one that makes the people you know beneath them um, you know, actually also agree with the leader's views and opinions. They have to have the same goals and aspirations. If, you know, the people who are you, who you're meant to lead completely just disagree with you and all you do is just chuck out commands, commands here and there, it's just obviously not, yeah. a, not a great leading system. People don't respond to that. Yeah. They don't respond to that. And that's where you see, I mean... When you really think about it, that was the downfall of Steve Jobs in his original days um, at Apple. I mean, mm. Steve Jobs was just this really commanding type leader 
or boss. Oh, was he? Yeah, it was sort of tyrannical. So the board kicked him out. They said, you're, you're uh, more of a loss. And obviously they were wrong for doing that because of Steve's just creative uh, sort of genius or larger-than-life yeah. personality. But he came back a much more well-rounded and sharpened tool where mm. he didn't micromanage and he let people sort of flourish in their own spaces. Mm. Um, and that was a big change for jobs. And that's what people should sort of recognize that micromanaging, you know, that's going to create friction. It's going to create heat. It's going to create tension. Mm. And that's never going to be the right answer. Yeah. Yeah, I think in our schooling system, for example, or with our cadets, yeah, that, that system of, you know, these kids have to do exactly what they're told, you know, isn't very good. I mean, I never, res- I, I never care. positively responded <laughs> to that. Yeah. I mean, I ne- like still to this day, that's one thing that I just can't do with cadets. But yeah, I mean, for example, from a military standpoint, although we are not in the military as cadets, we are cadets um, yeah. from a military standpoint, which is what the model is based off. Mm. I mean, if you're not doing exactly what you're told, you're dying. That, okay, okay, yeah, so no, life, you, yeah. life and death scenarios. Yeah. So that's why I have a little bit of leeway with cadets. It's like, mm. okay, you do need to do what you're told because you're playing with, you're literally playing with fire here. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. for example, within a school setting, not allowing kids to express themselves is very dangerous. It's a very dangerous system. Um, I mean, I think Albert Einstein said, if you make a, if you tell a fish to climb a tree, it will never be heralded as a genius. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you do have to always look look for the positives within people if you're ever deciding who you want to, you know, be, for example, a partner in a business or whoever you want to employ, take under your wing. Mm-hmm. You want them to take you under their wing. Um, you do just have to have that. Do they recognize your faults or do they recognize all your shortcomings or do they recognize where you're strong and yeah. where you can flourish? Mm. Um so yeah. always be analytical of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do agree with the fact that you got to have... Like, personally, I think you need to have some sort of discipline for a system to function well. But I guess, from what you've said, um, allowing them to actually express their own you know, opinions, what, letting them to do what they value the most, what they're the most best at, um, yeah, that's bloody important. Yeah. For being a leader. I mean, look, I think in my opinion, within discipline, yeah, within discipline, that allows you to be free. It allows you to be, if you are disciplined, you can be free. Whereas if you're not disciplined, it's chaos. Your freedom is chaos. It's just all over the place. Where If you're disciplined, mm. you can express yourself without it just getting completely disorganized. You're not in shambles. Yeah. So you need to have that sort of framework, that fabric of just discipline before you can sort of express yourself. Mm. Yeah. And that that is something also people have to realize. I mean, you can see these guys that go, oh, you know, I'm this creative guru guy, but they're really just a guy mm. with sort of frizzy hair. <laughs> like, yeah. they're just like all over the place. They stink. Yeah. And it's just like, what are you doing? What yeah. are you doing? Do the basics and then come back mm. and try and sort of flourish. And that's what school absolutely teaches you. Discipline, discipline, discipline. I mean, you only succeed in the Australian educational system if you have the will. You need the will to win. And that is mm. probably 
well, not probably, it is the most determining factor in life is how much will do you have? How long can you hold your breath? Mm. Okay, those who don't have the fight, the burn, the desire, I mean, no matter how freaking smart you are, you're just going to end up mm, a potato. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You got to have the will. Yeah. This is a bit of a weird question, but, um, you know, if, when you have like kids, how do you think you, you will raise them? Will you let them flourish or do you yeah. think you would just go full discipline, discipline, discipline? Yeah, look, to be honest, I've, I've almost sort of said to myself, I don't even want kids, mm. but in the advent that I would have children. Yeah. Um, look, I'll be honest, I don't really know. Like, how, how could I know? I haven't, I haven't been there. I haven't experienced what it is. I mean, because I have a sibling that suffers greatly with yeah. mental health, drug abuse, all these sorts of problems. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it sort of puts it in perspective where it's like, what is the correct parenting strategy? Mm, is there a yeah. correct one? Mm. Uh, my mum and my father were very hand, are very hands off with me. I mean, they, I don't think they've ever told me to study in my life. Mm. In my life, they've never told me, Fred, you know, put your head down and study. Yeah. They sort of just said he's going to do it on his own, mm. come into his own way. And just sort of take a back seat and sort of give guidance, yeah. but not instruct mm. um, and let him experience it for himself. And I think that's worked great for me, but it's worked pretty poorly for other siblings. I mean, I've got a lot of siblings. I've got eight. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. It's worked poorly for some, great for others. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to have the magic recipe, mate. It's hard to have the magic recipe. And I think you just got to experience it. You yeah. know it. Yeah. Yeah. In the past couple of years... I felt a little bit of regret that my mom didn't push me hard enough when, in my early years to study, go to tutoring, like all the other Asian kids. Yeah. You know, all throughout the school. Yeah. But now looking back, you know, I think it, I might be kind of thankful. Because yeah. it, it actually, I feel like it gives you more of a, it gives the kid more creativity. Yeah. Letting them to own, letting themselves to flourish and find their own passions and interests. And it lets them sort of say, I want to do this. Yes, yeah, yeah. They need to want to do it. Yeah. And if someone's always forcing you to do it, you never sort of think, do I want to do this? Mm, yeah. Whether as I know, I want to do this. Yeah. Right? And also, doing earlier tutoring and everything, it's so inconsequential. It's so inconsequential. I mean, so many kids that have been busting their guts since kindy or whatever. Mm. You know, like, they're okay students now. They're okay. That's what I think... I attribute a lot of my success to is I knew when the time was to go. I knew that year 11 was the year to just go, just go as hard as you can. I, I've been lounging about all my life. Now it's time to go and see how far I can go. And it just meant I had all this steam, all this excitement, this new adventure. Wow. I'm just ready. I was just ready to go. Um, and I think looking, talking to a lot of people who were doing all that studying way back in the day, mm they sort of had this anxiety where if they didn't have the foundation, they weren't going to do well in the final years. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I feel that as well. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. And so I think I'm the living proof that you never did need a framework. You never did. Like it, I think it would have taken me four, like a month to sort of piece together exactly how to study exactly what schedule. One month. Like, like just, that's how you do it. This is how you're going to do it. Wow. Um, and just throw yourself into it. You don't need this crazy foundation of years of experience of learning to be able to beat the kid next to you, okay? You only need to have the desire. 
okay? Because everything you learn in year 11 and 12 is completely different to what you've learned previously, apart from something like maths. Mm. If you're going to want to do well in maths, yes, you do need to put the time in beforehand. You do need to put those earlier years in because maths does require a strong foundation. Whereas with something like business, I mean, Jesus Christ, no one's ever learned business before. <laughs> yeah. Same with economics, okay? Ancient history, sort of the same. English, believe it or not, I mean, I never listened to a word in English. And then I think the first assessment, I was like, rank like 30 out of 400 kids. Like the first ever English assessment I've ever popped. It's just because I handed in a bunch of essays. Mm. I was just like, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? That's how you do it. Go into it. Do it. Yeah. Get the mark. Okay. All these kids that have been busting their gut for English for many years mm. haven't necessarily, it hasn't transpired into just immediate success. Yeah. You still have time to learn the modules. Yeah. Okay. Because everyone's learning it for the first time. You have mm. to realize that. And just having that perspective. Yeah. I mean, even now, for those who might be listening, you're going to do a module um, next term. And that module is going to be completely new for everyone. And you're on a level playing field immediately. Everyone's the same. You're learning at exactly the same time. No one's getting ahead. Okay. So you're ready to go. Okay, so you're still you're competing month to month, week to week, and you're all equals. That's what I think. Yeah, but do you believe that you have like a natural gift in learning or English, for example? I think I think now looking looking a little yeah. a little bit, I'd mm. say a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I've seen other kids sort of try and fail and get very disheartened. In for example, like. I've just seen other kids like sort of see what myself or others have been able to sort of manufacture mm. within a few months and sort of tried to replicate that and yeah. may still be achieving great results, great leaps forward, mm. but just be a little bit disheartened. Yeah. So for that, I think first, I'd, I actually wouldn't say it's like natural, natural intelligence, but mm. just more thinking about how to, for example, answer questions or how to study effectively sort of the like the behind the scenes work yeah the behind the scenes work in sort of manufacturing understanding it's a test mm. and how to sort of translate my mind into that test as best as possible yeah having more time allocated to thinking about that i think was probably the differentiator mm. rather than just okay i'm gonna make flashcards and i'm gonna do this and yeah. i'm gonna do yeah. that it's not all that it's a lot of micro that yeah. goes into it in my opinion yeah but honestly you did actually work very hard yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. And some kids I'm seeing working very hard, harder than I am, achieving amazing things better than I am. And I'm like, fantastic. Mm. And it's just proving to everyone, especially people within sort of my group who may have not taken to academics as much earlier on, mm. seeing these great results coming through, they're going, damn, you know, hard work translates to success. Mm. And having that sort of relationship stamped in now will yeah. serve them very well throughout their life mm. do you ever feel yourself getting lazy though or do you feel like that fire has always been absolutely lazy? but i sort of always reflect upon myself and go i have been lazy i've got to pick up the pace mm. um, but sometimes it is hard to find motivation especially when you've done well on a subject i feel contrary yeah, so, yeah, contrary to that. like you go wow i'm sweet for this yeah and then, boom, big shock comes next test. Yeah. Big shock. Woof. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but just having that sort of humility to go, okay, I need to keep going, keep going, keep going. Mm. It's only this much longer. It's only this much longer. That's as hard as it is. You just got to do it. And yeah. I think I'm sort of blessed with, like I said, my Ritalin. It just keeps me motivated. It just keeps me going. It keeps me chowing. Do you um, feel a big drive after taking it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's it sort of awakens my mind mm. because... Without it, I'm just this sort of lethargic, lazy person because um, of, of the ADD, and I just can never really yeah. focus on one thing. I'm just sort of bubbling yeah. around. Yeah. When I'm taking it, however, I'm you know very switched on. That's awesome. Yeah. I always, dude. I always just get into a rut when I don't have everything in my life, like you know, all my distractions tuned off. Yeah. I just. Very easily, I just get lost in scrolling through social media, yeah. or just like waking up very late, sleeping late. Absolutely, and Absolutely. yeah, bro, that sucks for me. Like I'm trying to, I don't Look, know, grasp onto how to do it. Same for me. Yeah, my biggest thing is like, I remember I tried it at the start of the term, and for some reason I didn't really continue it, but I 100 percent should have, and I will next time. Is I give my mum my phone at the start of the week. Wow, take it, give it to me on Friday. Hell yeah, and it's just boom. Yeah, again, it's just got all this time. I got. Um, for example, a few contacts and whatever on my iPad for mm. messaging. Yeah. So I got all my main communications open mm. and it's like, you know, Snapchat or whatever, you know, if you're talking to a girl or whatever, they can wait. <laughs> I mean, geez, do you really think this, this chick's going to turn you into a millionaire? Like, <laughs> make your money. Fur. Money over women. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, yeah. I found as well, like literally, I mean, there's not really any reason to message anyone. No. Yeah. It's like, like it's pointless. And TikTok, yeah. I mean, God, for a guy with ADD, mm. oh my God, a dopamine slot machine. 15 <laughs> yeah. second engaging clips on repeat. You're kidding. You're kidding. Okay. You spend yeah. hours on that app if yeah. you're not careful. Yeah. So, I mean, my advice is, you know, stomach it, man. Be a man. Shovel snow. Like put your phone away, put it for a period of time. You're going to be way more attentive without it. Mm. Way more attentive. I just got to put it in perspective. ATAR, despite what people say, it is sort of a be-all and end-all game. Mm. Like, you're, if you get a good ATAR, you are jump-starting life. Mm. You're jump-starting it. Mm. There are definitely other pathways around it, but damn, man, yeah. get stuck in. Get that degree. Yeah. Okay? Get that degree. Get a good first job. Mm. Get your life moving. Yeah. You know, that's like, take care of yourself. Mm. You'll look very macro. Yeah. That's what I'm about. So have you already basically permanently thrown away those distractions in your life or do you think that's they still play a part when you feel like it oh look 100 percent. i mean in the holidays at the moment study's been painful because i have my phone on me mm. and it's because like i'm going out you know seeing mates going out at night whatever yeah. um and so i am on my phone because i need to like no literally what's the go like am i doing something yeah like, yeah, yeah in an hour yeah. um and so that's just like almost a disaster. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but during term time, it's like, all right, I'm putting on my suit and tie for school. Like, I don't really care. My mates are going to tell me at school if there's something on on a weekend or there's something on this day. Wow, or like. nice. So those networks are already established. Yeah. And the holidays are a bit different and, you know, that's rough. Mm. But for example, when we go on Stuvac, prior to trials, prior to the HSE, the phone will be gone. Mm. Um. And I think, why not, dude? You've got like six more months of HSC. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it, man. Like eliminate the distractions as much as possible. Um, and 
we're in such a consumer-based world where there's distractions everywhere. Everything mm. is designed to distract you yeah. from, I don't know, the existential dread of your life. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's my that's my Yeah, take. yeah, yeah. So, another thing that I was... I struggle with is being able to balance going out and having fun and then also just putting my focus in and doing work. Um, like during my trial period or like the yearly last year, I basically just threw away everything, which, you know, I should, um, and just directly focus on my studies. But, you know, reading articles, reading books, they talk about how, well, in college, you should not kind of directly you know, only dedicate yourself to studies and or only dedicate yourself to fun. You should have both. Have periods where you go out and have fun and have periods where you, you know, properly study. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you look at a term, you most often are going to have an assessment block, a big yeah. block of weeks. Mm. Within that block, you're not going out. You're not going mm. out and having as much fun. Okay. You're really going to, you know, bite the bullet, shovel snow, mm. like just toughen up, get through it. Mm. Before that, I like to blow off steam on weekends, things Stuff. like that. Yeah. Like have fun, enjoy my life mm. a little, you know, see sort of, you know, the color to life mm. <laughs> a bit. Wow. Um, yeah. But then in the block, it's like, yeah, just grind. Time to work. Just yeah. do it, do it, do it. And it's become, I sort of have noticed that it's now sort of the case with uh, all my friends as well. So we're all on the same page. So it's like, we all just sort of go underground and work for those blocks and it sucks and people hate it, but you just got to do it. Just toughen up at that mm. point. Um, and that's what I have to say about the HSC. It's who can hold their breath for the longest, right? Who can make as much sacrifices as possible? Okay. Who can take almost like the most enjoyment out of their life for this short period and then get the mark and then boost, bolster themselves forward in life. Those sacrifices are always going to pay off. However, there are kids in our school who just think going out, are you serious, ever? Like, mm. I'm living proof that you can go out and have as much fun as you want. Okay, like my life is fun. I love oh, yeah. having fun. Okay? Um, I still do well in school i think mm. like i think it's all right to say that like i do well and that balance yeah. i wouldn't say it's key but it's something i value mm. it's something i deeply value and since becoming dedicated to your studies do you feel like you're missing anything you're missing out on going out and having fun not really because the kids that are doing that yep. like you know some of the kids that will be doing that Hmm. and their marks are like not good at all yep. i'm just going like man i hope you know in life it's going to turn out all right for you but some of those kids aren't even built to do trades you know tradesmen go for it if you're going to do a trade probably going to be richer than i am okay never underestimate that yep. okay some some builders are wealthy men wealthy men and women yeah however some kids who are just clueless in life, sort of floating through the ether um, and going out on weekends and having fun, not taking any time for their studies, have no real ambitions. I mean, dude, this is your peak. Okay, enjoy it while you can because it's not going to go that much more up from here. Yeah. Okay, like you got to, you got to, like if you're not doing, this is the point, 16, 17, 18, where you're really going, what direction is my life going to take? Mm. You got to make that decision and you got to make it like now. 
probably too late now. Probably would have had to have it. Like, not to alarm anyone here yeah. listening. Of course, there are always alternate pathways. But, I mean, you don't want to be stuck in that place where, you know, you're just blowing it all now. So, uh, am I thinking I'm missing out? Sure. Maybe in the short run. Maybe one night. But, Jesus, man. Would I rather would I rather have a nice, you know, successful life um, than party at the minute? Sure. Mm. But... In saying that, I mean, I do have fun outside of those blocks. Yeah. I'm sacrificing such a short thing. Mm. Um, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, Like a lot of my friends, um, they're, and, you know, I'm, I'm telling them to go out in the holidays, whatever, to the beach or whatever. And they're saying, no, bro, I got to study. And yeah. it, it's just one day. And I'm like, um, bro, we're never going to have an experience of being 17, 18 at Knox again. Yeah, and once we leave, then that's it. Then exactly. we're never gonna have these experiences again. Exactly, man. I mean, yeah. dude, like, what are you trying to be? Like, what degree are yeah. you trying to ascertain right now? Mm. Like, geez, I think it was like, yeah, the kid, a kid last year, Sam Bennett, genius. Mm. He got a ninety-nine-nine. Okay, he was hitting the dance floor in his <laughs> in in his HSC year. Okay, he was on the dance floor. Yeah. Okay, he was having a good time. Yeah. Same with a bunch of other kids. Okay, mm. these are these kids that are grinding in the holidays and not living life. I mean, man, I'd hate to be you. I'd hate to be you. Even if you got a nine 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 five, hate to be you, because sure, if if I was sacrificing weekends in my early twenties when starting up a startup, sure, mm. I think that hundred percent having that larger goal to do that, sure. But where my life is sitting right now. There's no need. Yeah. There's no yeah. need to, for example, not go to the beach on a day out. Like, come on, man. Yeah, Live a bro. little. Yeah. Live a little. Mm. I mean, for, yeah. Like, for example, there's 18th going around. People are turning 18 for the first time. Like, if you're 18, go and have a beer. <laughs> go and have a beer, man. You're oh, yeah. of legal age. Mm. Have a little fun. Put yeah. a smile on your face. Mm. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so I was reading a book. I think it was called How to Be come a student or it was just about experiences in college how to you know achieve greatness and what he talked about cal newport he said he noticed that the best students were the ones who actually went and had fun yeah and well you're bloody the perfect case of that i mean also you talk about like these people that like long for interpersonal skills or communicative skills where do you think you're getting them bro where do you think you're getting them? Mm. You're getting them from not staring at the book for your whole entire life. Mm. Okay? You're going out by actually experiencing. Mm. Also, when you're going out and meeting people, God, you're actually meeting people. That's part of it, right? You're mm. meeting people. You know, people always talk about building connections. You're building connections not by going on some drunken rampage through, you know, Oxford Street on a night out, yeah. but more or less so, you're, you're doing it through just getting out, having fun, going to the beach, going to this place, going to that place, meeting new people, making new friends. Mm. You're making a friend that might benefit you one day. Mm. Um, you're communicating with them. You're selling yourself basically to say, do you want to be friends in yeah. a way? Mm. Um, and those relationships that you're building are crucial to your life. Yeah, They're crucial. Just because you go to Knox doesn't mean that everyone at Knox in your cohort is going to help you out one day. Not the case at all. Because that's what they sort of sell you on, right? connections you're going to build i mean god damn 
I wouldn't even give three quarters of the year a job when I'm older. Like, no offense, yeah. boys. <laughs> but like, God, like, come on. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't give me one either. Like, like it's not yeah. the case. It's yeah. not the case, right? Uh-huh. So you got to you know, make, make friends. Mm. You, and if you're just going to be a robot hitting the books, mm. I mean, I hope that you're doing something more creative. For example, programming a program yeah. or something like that mm. or have an ambition to do so. Yeah. Whereas if you're just going to be like an actuarian one day and just, you know, calculate the probability of someone crashing their car for an insurance company. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Henry? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I do agree that we've got to build as much connections as possible. And I feel like you're very great at that. I feel like you, you know a lot of kids in the year, not just, you know, the 40 kids, but a lot of like the, the you know, books kids. You just wave them hello every single time. And I'm like, damn, what a good guy. Oh, look, look, it's just cause like, I mean, one of, one of my best mates, yeah. um, Will Wang, shout out Will Wang, Will Wang, <laughs> Will Wang. shout out to Zhao, shout out to Zhao. Yeah. He'll be listening. I'll make him. Um, yeah. but like I met him in like year seven, he was as quiet as a church mouse. Yeah. And I was just like, who is this kid? Like, yeah. let's go talk to him. Um, yeah. And- Will, Will was telling me how he's like good friends with Freddie Harris. And I was like. That's so strange. Why, yeah. why would you be friends but with But he just he yeah. just turned out to be this actually quite a funny yeah, kid. Yeah. Just a funny kid. He was he was as dumb as a post back then. Mm. Um same as me. We were in the same classes for years. And then he became very good at maths. Yes, he did. Um and you know, me and him have had a great relationship mm. all the way through. And I've I've got nothing to hold against him. And mm. same with other kids in the year. It's just like you know, a bunch of these kids are just normal kids. You talk to them, they are pff, not that much different to you. And if they are, they're actually quite interesting. Mm. You know, they offer different perspectives on a bunch of things and they're just quite, you know, honestly quite funny as well. Mm. Like a lot of these guys are way better at cracking jokes than my mates. Mm. And so sometimes I'll just talk to them for a laugh as well. Yeah. Like they'll just brighten my day a little bit. More. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I definitely agree. Like only the last couple of years, I feel like with year 11 where for example, the senior hall, it just brings everyone closer together. Yeah. I've learned to talk with a lot more different people. Yeah. And I realized that so many of these kids are so bloody special and nothing um, from what I thought they were. Yeah. For, yeah. Like, for example, with you, I'm so happy that, you know, I, I can call you my friend. Freddie absolutely. Harris. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you just absolutely blew my mind at just everything. Oh, and thank you, Henry. Thank yeah. You. Even bloody on this podcast. Every single bloody second, I've just been captivated. I had no idea. <laughs> Thank you. You are the best speaker I've ever heard. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah. look, I mean, friends make them. Like, mm. win, lose, or draw. Again, the one thing I do hate, though, Henry, is actually the sort of term, like, making connections. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, like the connections you'll make in school or whatever. You yeah. know, being someone's friend, making a friendship for the wrong reasons i think is actually something i do try and watch out for as well okay yeah um for example someone that just wants to make sure you're on their good side so that in the future that oh might... right, right, right yeah that's what you mean yeah like connections you know, for you personal I mean? gain yeah, yeah personal yeah, yeah, yeah. gain yeah that is something that does piss me off that sort of culture of like oh okay school captain let's make friends with the person that might be school captain and hedge our bets on that friendship so when he succeeds one day mm. he'll give me a job Mm. or something like that or you know invest in my company wow don't be that guy 
just be a guy that's genuinely interested in people. And if you're not, don't be their friend. It's as simple as that. It's black and white. Okay, that's something that's binary. Mm. Um, so if like, for, for instance, if I'm friends with you, best believe that I'm friends with you because I like you as a person. Not because I think there's going to be anything for personal gain on that. Um, but yeah. Yeah, damn. Yeah, like I feel like in Australia, I mean, because we, we haven't really seen what other countries are like, but I think already here in Australia, everyone's very genuine. Yeah. Like my sister, she's in the States um, and, you know, in college. And once she went over there, she realized that everyone also kind of, how do you call it? Like deceptive. Like fake. They, they, yeah, fake. Fake. They have something, they have a different agenda that they yeah. want to pursue. And it's not just a pure connection. And, you know, that kind of sucks. It's funny. Because, it's funny that you say that, Henry, yeah. because in Australia, we are also notorious for tall poppy syndrome, which is like, for those who wouldn't know, tall poppy syndrome is like when someone's succeeding, other everyone tries to bring them down, like behind the scenes or talk bad about them because of their own sort of underlying mm. insecurities. Yeah. So everyone will try and see the faults in other people in order to lift themselves up. And that, but... That like that's pretty well known in Australian society, but in terms of being genuine, mm. I think that is absolutely correct. In like, my mates are my mates, yeah, and the friends that I have, mm. my great friends, I yeah. trust a lot, and I have a lot of trust in them. Mm. Um, and they've they've seen they've seen a lot of you know the color to like my personal life and mm. struggles in that. For example, like you know they've been over at my house and there'll be like a policeman there or something, and they'll be like, oh wow. Okay, but they won't really mm. bring anyone down for it. They'll yeah. lift yeah. me up. So mm. that for that, I thank them. And that is something that I guess everyone wants in their yeah. circles. Yeah, I think that this having that fakeness, it will... Yeah, I do believe that it will bring you some success, but only in the short term. Yeah. I think, I believe in karma. Yeah. It always come back. Yeah. You won't get very far because um, once you get there... Once you gain that success and the people that you wronged realizes that you wronged them. I mean, God, look at Vladimir Putin. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, amount of people he's wronged and what's it all doing? It's burning down like a big bridge. Yeah. I mean, also like, I think my father said to me, he was like, you gotta, you gotta be, um, there's this term in succession that they use. You've got to be a killer. And he's yep. like, I've met a lot of killers in my life mm. um, who just, you know, will chop people off by their knees to gain. They only will get that far um, unless it's their own shop they're running, for exa- like their own business. Mm. So those sorts of people who are just these narcissists who are going and hacking people down, hacking people down in order to pave the way for them to grow. Yeah. Does that translate into success? I'm not buying into that. I'm not buying into that one bit. Mm. You know, there's no, for example, JT and I, it's not we're not discarding anything from each other or not sharing anything from each other. We're actually combining with each other and it's serving us well in mm. that aspect. Yeah. And that's been serving us well um since we've started collaborating. Mm. And yeah, that's that's been a big attributor yeah. to my success. It's mm. not been this killer sort of motive. But we only really started collaborating in year twelve, I will say that. Mm. Or this term actually has been a trial run. Yeah. Um and it works pretty well. Yeah, I'd success. I I would suggest collaborating with one or two people. Mm. Not everyone. That's a stupid game to play because you are competing. Um, after trials, sure, but 
combine minds. Two minds yeah. are greater than one. Different mm. perspectives as well. People see things differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, um... Oh, are you good? Yeah, no, it's oh, fine. Oh, it's yeah, fine. yeah. It's fine. Um, so, in extension English... Yeah, you know Machiavelli? The yeah, Prince, yeah. And what we focused on in class was just all about learning about deception, deceit, and the need for that to be a successful king. Yeah. And I thought about that a lot. And... I was reflecting that I'm too nice of a person. I've always yeah. just, I guess, like to, to the degree that I'm a bit of a pushover. The the fact that <laughs> pushover. But when have you been pushed over? Henry? <laughs> no, no, no. When are these pushings <laughs> over occurring? No, I just feel like that. You know, there's times that I think I could benefit myself, but then I think, oh, you know what? I'll just be a nice guy. I'll just, just let them take this opportunity. Yeah, and, no, that... you know, I think that kind of messes with your success a little bit. You do have to be selfish in mm. some aspects. Yeah. Not at the detriment to others, but take the opportunities for yourselves. Because those people, when they take that position, are they um, are they benefiting you? And, like, are they going, Henry, do this with me? Like, I'm going to take you under my wing or mm, whatever. Are yeah. they doing that? Probably not. Um, but those sort of Machiavellian philosophies... Um, they are very, very like useful. I would suppose, I suppose in sort of predetermined social hierarchies. So when there's a social hierarchy in place that you're just in the cosmos of those, those tactics in the wider stretch of things Mm. will allow you to gain those, those power, uh, power. Whereas if you are sort of idiosyncratic in a way in your own sort of hierarchy, that's going to benefit you um uh, being sorry not being machiavellian within your own sort of hierarchy that you may have created or that you're getting other people to buy into um or changing the sort of philosophy or fabric of those hierarchies Mm. that's when you're going to see growth within the entire hierarchy as well it's very sorry that's a very complicated way of explaining (laughs) it it's very comp what i'm trying to say is when there's predetermined hierarchies for example like a job type setting in the corporate world. Uh, in the corporate world, yeah. you're going to see a lot of Machiavellian archetypes. Mm. Whereas if you're not in some big institutional, big business type corporate world, yeah. you're in, let's say, a um, like your own startup, for instance, or just a more a different type of space. And those, hi- those hierarchies may be a lot different because there's a different culture behind them. Mm. It's less of like an idiosyncratic, how far can one person succeed? It's more team orientated, yeah. group orientated. How far can the group succeed? And if you have Machiavellian sort of archetypes within those groups, they're like poison, kryptonite. Mm. No matter mm. how great they are, mm. if they are sort of, like I said, killers trying to chop everyone off by the knees, yeah. you're no matter how brilliant they are, they are going to be a detriment to the longevity and how successful that group's going to be. Mm. Yeah, so I think being both, yeah, you can't be, you know, Machiavellian, but you got to be selfish. Absolutely. Yeah. And in our HSC um, journey, I was, I think I was talking with Swari as well about this, um, you know, whether we should be, because yeah, well, we're told to be 100% transparent, collaborate with everyone, but then, you know, prior to trials, that doesn't really make sense as well. Absolutely not. Yeah. 
but having an, an additional mind of the same sort of capability as you combining where you oh, yeah, both yeah. add the same, mm. it's only going to be beneficial to you both unless you're doing like a five-man subject. Yeah. But in most subjects where there's mo- like 100 people in a cohort or 50 people in a cohort or X, mm. Y, and Z in a cohort, those you collaborating with another person in order to jump up 10 ranks is going to be very beneficial. Mm. Uh, it only requires basic maths to realize that. Yeah. Um, so that's when collaboration is key, but you got to be selfish. Mm. You're not going to try and you never do something that's going to benefit others without it benefiting yourself first. Mm. Sounds like, like a sin saying that, but you're, you're the only guy in this world, man. Yeah. It's you versus the world. It's quite ironic that I'm saying this on Easter when Jesus is sacrificed, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, he's given everything for, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, look, it's only you in the world, and yeah. you you gotta you gotta take care of yourself first. Mm. Take care of others by all means, but take care of yourself first, man. Yeah, not to the try and maintain that moral sort of compass of not to the detriment of others. Yeah, yeah. Well, you gonna, yeah. Anyway, so I guess suppose supposing back to that Machiavellian type world, what do you think? What do I like, think? In terms of like, I guess the social hierarchies, for instance, at Knox. Like you can see, for example, mm. being at the senior center, which for those who wouldn't know, is like a collaborative sort of learning environment that the school is sort of like manufactured and has worked greatly for them. Mm. Um, you know, you overhear conversations, especially in year 11, of all these types of people when the leadership sort of thing was really rolling and all these people just trying to hack at other people going you know, this person can't do this or trying to sort of screw over other people. I saw it a lot, you know, even to staff members, people going, oh, really? That guy? Really? Yeah. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Um, and it happens. Like, it just naturally forms because I guess not to discredit the school's uh, program they got going there because it's, incredi- it, it's incredible. Mm. Yeah. But like it does manufacture, it does sort of manufacture that, um, for that Machiavellian within people. Do you think this these leadership roles, you reckon? When when people were trying to gain them. Not so much when they got the roles, but in that year 11, it's very, like, antsy. It's like, God, mm-hmm. you know, how you're competing against other people. How can I benefit myself potentially by dragging others down? Yeah. Or, yeah. But I know, I do believe that Knox... Um, you know, goes protects against that by having so many leadership positions. Yeah, yeah, they um, definitely account for it. Yeah, I'm thinking about like some other schools. I'm not sure how the schooling systems work, but they might, I think, just have a few like yeah. ten, like ten prefects or something. Yeah, the portfolios and of other schools are only a few captains. Yeah, so that would definitely be a lot more competitive. Absolutely, absolutely. But you also have to realize that Knox. I mean, Knox, in my opinion trains more than any other school boys to be sort of the corporate man so Mm. for example in other i've got a lot of friends in other schools and it's it's a riot it's an absolute riot in those schools it's like you know they don't really do much or they do a little but they just do whatever they really want yeah um and they where there is knocks it's like they put a lot of pressure on academics they sort of subliminally message that this is the way you have to be and you pick up on it and it's great because you you, you're succeeding and the end goal is there it's Mm. it's a beautiful sort of structure Mm. but 
for example, it knocks a lot of these, say 90% of the year, I would think are going to be salary men, suit and tie going into the CBD or, mm. you know, a doctor, those sorts of things. Yep. Knox sort of trains you in that aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, the school uniform goes on and people sort of, you know, you see how many watches go on at the school <laughs> and mm-hmm. how many people tell the time from those watches. <laughs> not many, Yeah. not many. Um, and you have the embroidered blazers mm. and people really have this stature about them and they sort of buy into it, which is great. It's great. But it, it, it train, it, it, it create, it creates sort of like a corporate culture in my opinion. Yeah. I'm thinking it's like beneficial because it, it, you know, gets the kids ready for Absolutely. what the real world is like. Absolutely. But yeah. What do you, why do you think it's not such a great thing? Well, no, I, I do. I do. Because I see what, for example, mates in other schools mm. would um are doing. Yeah. And it's like, they're not really trained up for mm. like the world as soon as they jump in. Yeah. And university is a shambles. I mean, like you're going in a hoodie to a lecture. No one's <laughs> keeping you accountable. Yeah. But whether it's in Knox, it's sort of like you've almost got a job in a way. Mm. It seems like it because you're going to classes, you're really attentive it's a very regimented day, as with all schools, but it just has this feel about it where it's almost like you're a professional already. And it, I think it yeah, almost yeah. trains people up in the right way. It's mm. like people, for example, the leadership structure is going to be great for how people will conduct themselves in interviews because of how many interviews they've done or public speaking, all these sorts of programs that the school has got going, the different portfolios. Mm. That's Those are all manufactured so that post-schooling those knocks people actually succeed. Yeah. Whereas in other schools, it's like, all right, I'm just going to play footy or I'm going to do like this thing or I'm going to do this. And it's like, they don't really have that importance of like, wow, I want to get a leadership role. I want to do cadets. And mm. it's not like there's that, you know, most schools, people that do cadets are immediately outcasted as weird people. Yeah. Or people that go for leadership roles. I mean, I know, I know at a school like Barker, I've got a few friends that go there. I mean, like, they think that leadership roles are, like, too, like, try hard. Like, really? they don't want to go for them for wow. fear of being almost outcasted. Hmm. I mean, it's completely different. So, Knox yeah. has created this great culture. Yeah. And I think that buying into it is the right thing. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess it is thinking about it, um, you know, since studying, like, at 1984s and stuff, it's, it is more restrictive of all the boys. But I guess just that that's just how the way, you know, the world works. Yeah. It's just very coordinated, nine to five. You just work and work and work. Yeah. And it's only in that for like the last two years of school and it's all this pressure that is applied. But people always think pressure is a bad thing or mm. stress is a bad thing. I mean, we see the charts in school. It's not a bad thing. There is good stress. There yeah. is good stress. It's good to have those regimented days. I mean, I think Jordan Peterson, you know, Jordan Peterson, he says without routines, you know, the human mind completely capitulates. You need regiment, regimented routines. Within discipline, there is freedom. That's, mm. that's what I believe. Mm. Again, that sounds pretty 1984-ish. <laughs> um, but... Yeah. Or Orwellian. But yeah, no, it is true that like the routines that Knox builds, the sort of regimented lifestyle allows a lot of kids to flourish. Mm. And for example, the the great leaders within our school are like 
they are now like what uh, an employer immediately wants to see in a young man. They don't need much more developing in terms of like roughing the edges. Mm. Um, they're already sort of like a good product. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. And so going back to what you said about being like Machiavellian, I'm just realizing now that I guess Knox is actually very smart about their system yeah. because Oh, like they, they can't tell you they can't tell the kids that oh you gotta you know chop the legs off of this person to succeed yeah but i think they know that this is how the real world works so well it's for, com- yeah oh well it's completely unintentional yeah that that's just a byproduct of a system uh-huh. that's just human behavior mm. that's just human behavior the inner workings of human behavior nox is never or a school never manufactures a structure to do that mm. um but yeah nox Everything that a school like Knox does is com- is very thought out and planned yeah. to achieve certain things. It's not just there for the purpose of being there. Mm. Um, and I guess realizing what that is, you don't want to fight against the system. Yeah. That's a system you want to buy into. And that's a good thing to realize. The systems you want to buy into and systems you want to break. Knox has created a system where if you buy into it, you're going to achieve a lot of success. You're going to, mm. you're going to get a huge kickstart to life. And that's where going back to like the Eshe thing, the kids that drop out, I'm like, God damn man. Or kids that aren't using Knox their full potential. I'm like, yeah. God damn man. Yeah. I mean, geez, you couldn't pick a better school to get a head start. Like we're like the mm. the best non-selective boys school in terms of results. Um, and the like, geez, man, if you have the funds or if you're extremely bright and get a scholarship, mm. like you, you have everything at your disposal. Mm. Like go for it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Knox is, it's just, Knox is just so amazing. I didn't even realize until recently. Um, you know, for example, those selective schools like James Roos and stuff, from the get-go, they just breed kids of just going tutoring and just, just working, working, working. But I, they don't focus on all these other aspects, for example, like assembly, like chapel, yeah. um, things like that, and like leadership programs, which before I would think they're just a waste of time. They're just you know, they just use up time when we could be studying and getting better results. But those selective schools aren't building up kids of, I think, life skills. Well, also Knox aims to, I suppose, they sort of try and prop up, like, to everyone's benefit. Yeah. They try and prop up your resume as much as possible. Mm. Like, they're going, man, this guy killing it in cadets. Like, make a cadet culture, get a lot of people getting Mm. those cadet ranks getting a lot of people the black tie, getting a lot of people these roles, these roles, these roles, Mm. get people's resumes built up. Because what are you handing into your boss? A resume. And there's a lot of people that would have done your uni degree. What's going to get you the interview are probably those extracurriculars. And when Mm. you have those extracurriculars, then then comes the interpersonal skills where you do have to sell yourself in that interview. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I think about those uh, interpersonal skills, it's like one thing that, a little bit stresses me out um you know how before in year seven to ten we had a ban on mobile phones we weren't yeah. allowed to use them in recess yeah. or lunch but now since in year 11 and 12 they're like oh yeah freedom yeah but i feel like that rule of banning them was actually a good idea yeah because it trains kids to actually communicate and right now from what i found with a lot of my friends there's like during recess and lunch when we should be like chatting and stuff 
they're just on their phones because oh, they really yeah because they can oh yeah it might, it might be different yeah um, but yeah that that kind of sucks no yeah so, I, absolutely yeah i mean yeah with my mates mm. um yeah we're all chatting away um yeah. and I, I it is a great shame if you're not communicating with your mates or yeah. they're just so transfixed within just mm. these short-term like study regimes or whatever and just having to um, just focusing on the next thing or don't really want to see their mates. I mean, humans are a social species. Mm. Like, for God's sake, talk to your friends. Mm. Like, have a laugh with them. Yeah. I mean, what beauty is there to life if you're just working towards these goals? Because mm. I'll tell you, despite how good it feels to get a great mark, I mean, geez, I have a lot of fun with my friends. And that's sort of... It, it's a lot sweeter to get a good mark and then go out with my friends to celebrate. That's true. Yeah. That's a very sweet thing. Mm. And... You know, Henry, to your circle, I'd say, like, just, you know, lift your head a little bit higher. Like, see sort of the wider range of life. Um, that, that, that to me, you know, is, is the beauty in it. Mm. Like, for example, well, you know, one thing, like a speech I saw, you know, like valedictorians. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a speech and he won it, but then in the YouTube video, in his speech... He talked about how it was all kind of for nothing. Yeah. Because he didn't really enjoy the other aspects of life. Yeah. And just working, working, working was just pointless because... Yeah. I mean, exactly. Life is so much more than just hitting the books. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And hitting the books is only going to get you so far. Mm. Hitting the books is only going to get you so far. I was speaking to a mate um, and he's a very bright spark, this this boy. Um, And he... He was talking to me about how he was doing computer programming for schools, mm, nice. uh, for like unis, um, and talking to professors in the UK wow. and everything. I was like, whoa, you know, geez. Um, but at the same time, taking a lot of initiative, a lot of people would pass this kid off for perhaps a robot, like just a kid mm. who just hits the books completely. Not the case. He's doing a lot of extra stuff, you know, being very, uh, having a lot of initiative, being very adaptive, creative, you know, those sorts of guys big thumbs up to at the mm. same time and i know this kid went to um an 18th and everything and had a good time there so he's not just flat out yeah um but yeah at the same time make sure you lift your head up man and uh, and enjoy your youth i mean geez man yeah think about it i really really have a minute to think about it when you're 40 years old you're not you're not partying your brains out or mm. you're not really having fun with your mates i mean even post school Mm. I mean, mates really shrink up and I get really yeah. sad about that. Yeah, no, I was thinking about that as well. I yeah. get very sad about that when I think, man, a lot of my mates, hopefully I stay, you know, real close to them and I'm probably going to go on a gap year to the UK and that's, you know, hopefully when I come back, they're all still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that is kind of sad though, how our friendship circles that we take for granted, that we see every single day at school, we probably won't see them again. No. Yeah. No. And I mean, especially if, for example, as you're describing some people, like they probably, for example, Henry, in the holidays, are your mates, like the ones that you've texted, they just don't want to go out? They're just like, oh, I'll have to see. I, I got to do a little maths. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it just sucks. Exactly. You just yeah. got to go, hey, man, that's what I would do. Even though, I mean, sometimes we'll know it's like talking to a brick wall. It's just never going to go through. <laughs> Yeah. It's like doing a brick wall. Yeah. Just go get look, man. 
what are you doing? Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. And even just those, you know, saying hi to someone I like, I kind of know across like the hallways. Those are like good moments, you know? It makes a lot of people's day, I think. I think it makes a lot of people's day. Just being a nice dude. Mm. I mean, geez, there's a lot of people that say I'm not a nice guy, probably, but... (laughs) No, no um, way. But, um, (laughs) like, just at least conducting yourself where you're not, you know, discriminatory or you neglect others or you think you're better than others. That's something I hate. Mm. So, like, I know a lot of people that look at someone... And just go, oh, I'm better than them for X, Y, and Z. They're beneath me. Therefore, I won't talk to them. Yeah. F those people. Because mm. what are they to others? Mm. And they're going to be wanting others to look at them, you know, and take them under their wing. Yeah. I mean, screw those guys. Mm. So yeah. ne- my my big point is never be that guy that looks at someone and thinks negatively and think they're not worthy of your time. Because, I mean, pretty much everyone is. Mm. Pretty much everyone. And yeah, when... When we graduate and a lot of the good memories slip away. Yeah. Another door opens. Yeah. Fork in the road. Fork in the road. Yeah. Fork in the road. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole web of, you know, different possibilities, Mm. different choices you make and different paths your life can take you. I mean, every day. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll come on this podcast and tomorrow I'll wake up a superstar. (laughs) Like who knows really? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So that's what I have to say about that. Mm, yeah. So yeah, you talked about your gap year that you want to take. Yeah. What? Yeah. What else after school are you hoping to? Well, go gap, and do? gap year. I just want to get out. You know, spend a whole year studying. I want to go see the world. Hell yeah. I want to go see the world. Go to mm. Europe. Just live a little yeah. before I go and bunker down in uni. Because when I'm in uni, like I said, I'd like to try and make little at least projects. Mm, yeah with computer science programming and just try and you know make something because you got all the time in the world at uni really you got a lot of time mm. i'll be working but though i mean how many days will i be full on in classes not mm. that many yeah um so i have a lot of time to spare so i'd like to just you know explore a little do you have any aspirations on where you want to be by a certain age yeah yeah um I'm incredibly ambitious, Henry. So yeah. forgive, f- you know. No, I I'll forgive for you I if you it. just laugh. But no, I love it, mate. Billionaire by thirty. Hell yeah. Have all the money in the world. Yes, just sir. be be the man. Mm. Like live it, live it as fast paced as you can. Mm. I actually, obviously, billionaire sounds like a huge exaggeration, but like I would like to, I'd like to have money where I can enjoy it, where I can enjoy it with the fruits of my labor. I think there's no point. For example, why I wouldn't want to live a linear type landscape mm. um, or life is because I wouldn't want in myself to be enjoying what I've put years into at 55 years old. Yeah. There's no point having a holiday then. You know, yeah. I, I want to live an exponential life, win, lose or draw. If it takes me to 40 and I live on the breadcrumb till 40 and then I make it big when I'm 40, so be it. Wow. So be it. Like You don't want to settle. You no. Have to, you have to get the best. No, because, man, I'm living a life here, one life, okay? And, like, as far as I'm aware, I'm not getting a second chance. Yeah. So I might as well go as hard as I can. Mm. Well, yeah. Forbes 30 under 30. Forbes 30 under 30, mate. Forbes Freddie 30 Harris, under 30. We'll see. Hopefully. In a few Hopefully. Years. I mean, who knows what it will be in. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, what are your ambitions? 
Oh yeah, I mean, like you, just become rich as fuck like one day. <laughs> yeah, but now you know. Do you see a new movie recently called Tick Tick Boom? No, I it's see it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I have it written down. It's, it's like um, it was. It's a musical movie. Andrew Garfield. Oh yeah, yeah, he's in it. Yeah, um, and it's a story about this guy called Jonathan Larson. And do you know the musical Rent? No. Well, it's a famous. It's a, I don't know musicals, but yeah, that that one's a famous one. And he's basically just this grand, you know, writer who yeah. made these big shows for, on Broadway. Um, and the movie's just all about him. Yeah. And the story sets of him being twenty nine, and him stressing his brains out that next week he'll be thirty, and he hasn't gotten on Broadway yet. He hasn't breached yeah. to where he yeah. wants to be, and yeah, that's, that's quite like a scary um, thought because Absolutely. we're we're already almost eighteen, which is actually so old. Well, it feels like already. you have to think about it, though, Henry. Yeah. We have our lifetime and a bit more, our entire lifetime and a bit more, and then we're forty. I mean, imagine how much you can accomplish in twenty years, even ten. I mean, ten years ago, I was seven years old. <laughs> I was seven. <laughs> Seven that's true, that's true. years old. Yeah. Okay. Ten years from now, I'll be twenty-seven. Imagine what I could do in ten years. Like, just entertain the thought at least. It's like, geez, man. Like, mm. you can do so much. Like Gary V, as cringe as it is, you know. Like, age, dude. You only have to look about how far you've, how much you've lived thus far, to realize how much more you can live. Mm. Sorry, that doesn't really make sense. Um. But how much more time there is yeah, yeah. in order to succeed. Mm. Yeah, Gary Vee always says how when someone has, says that they're 40, he always says that, oh, they're so young. And yeah, exactly. So and it sort of just time. trips. Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? But yeah. dude, like imagine if like they stop working at 60. You got another, you got another, you know, half, half of what you've had in your mm. lifetime to go. Mm. And I mean, Colonel Sanders, he made it late. Yeah. Like McDonald's, he made it late. Like, there's so many stories of like people making it late. So many stories. Yeah. So I would also suggest just reading up on success stories. Mm. That's what I do a lot. Mm, like nice. the like the big killers in the world. I mean, barely any of them have had linear lives. Barely any of them. I mean, I think it was Kevin O'Leary, the guy from Shark Tank, mm. that said there's twice wow. as many failures as there is for every success that he's had. Mm. And that's something that everyone gets bogged down on. I mean, you praising me at the start of the podcast. I mean, geez. Like, wow, because the way I think is like how many failures or shortcomings I have. Mm. That's how I reflect on myself rather than how well I've performed. Yeah, I do agree that you need a certain amount of failures to get success, to get that win. You have to go through like a certain amount, a big number only to get the success. And then it's, I mean, how much sweeter is that? Yeah. Mm. It's a lot sweeter. I mean, geez, imagine if your life was just perfect. It wouldn't be that much fun. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, were you talking about how some people have to be, you know, 40, 50 to become successful? And that just sucks to think about because we might still take a really long time and go through so many years of just hard work. Yeah. And not be able to make it. I mean, you can never think like that. If you, I would be happy dying on my deathbed knowing I gave it absolutely everything. Wow. Like, as long as I did, because I would be in instant regret 
if I was on my deathbed and I, you know, I never really went for it. Mm. I'd just go for it. Who yeah. cares? You don't care whether you get the W or not. I mean, obviously, obviously I care completely about that. Mm. But I fear, I fear more about not trying. Trying. Mm. Okay. And obviously, I got to put food on the table. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but I'll be doing everything in my power to be able to live out my dreams. Yeah. And you're a firm believer that you want to create that own destiny. You don't want to have like um, your parents just handing you the stuff no absolutely yeah that's another big thing like mm. for example with my company if i start it one day i won't take a father handout a grandfather a mother mm. i won't take a handout for that i want i truly do want to make it on my own yeah and i i don't want to you know get involved in nepotism those sorts of <laughs> yeah. things like i do want to just make it on my own mm. and it's hard i mean i'm already immediately discredited almost for going to knox yeah but at the same time, it's what you make of it. I mean, I couldn't choose where I went to school, could I? Like, I, well, I guess I could, but <laughs> like, but like, I'm at Knox. Yeah, that's just where that's just where I was born. Mm. Like, I was born into a privileged life, but I don't want to just um, continually get head starts. I want to at least show people that if you can at least get the HSC mark mm. or get that degree to kick your life off in the right direction, that through that then you can do this. Mm. and do you think that any of that stems from that one do you have to like you know pay back your parents pay back my parents i mean yeah what i've always told my mom is i'll buy her a nice big house for her to kick same. her feet up yeah um and but at the same time like i i don't think my mom she's a very iron-willed lady um she's extremely like i don't think she would even accept a repayment mm. in a way yeah she's just a she's a very stoic woman um mm. and she's probably where most of my discipline and all those sorts of things come because i throw i'd throw in the towel a million times before my mum does as i've said before yeah and that her keep on going that's what inspires me mm. i mean she was out of the workforce for many years because of a marriage and then another marriage mm. And now all of a sudden she's back into it and she's really succeeding. But it took oh, many, yeah. many interviews, many failures, mm. many times where I thought, mum, I just don't think it might cut it mm. anymore. And now she's Kept killing going. it, Hell yeah. killing it. And I'm just like, damn. And then she's still trying with my younger siblings, still pushing, still pushing. You know, wow. credit to her. Like, she's the lady. Hell yeah. Dude, your, your family's so inspirational. And yeah. they must have, yeah, they're 100% played a massive part to your life. I mean, my mum and my dad always gave me a lot of self-esteem growing up in my formative years. Mm-hmm. So that is probably why I can talk or be as confident as I am. Because my mum and dad wow. said, you know, you're great, Fred, you're this, you're that. Uh, Dude, that's awesome. although, although it seems like they're just inflating a big ego, it's it's maybe not feel insignificant or mm. have low self-esteem, which is far worse than having a big ego, in my opinion. Mm. Dude, that's so good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, being able to compliment someone, being able to build someone up, I think that's a huge, 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 huge skill that yeah. all of us have to take take on. I'm um, glad that Yeah. also, like, my mates 
build yeah. each other up. Mm. That's something that I really appreciate. Seeing other people build each other up in my circles, I I am always thankful for. And that's what makes like my mates and I, why you see a lot of us perhaps succeeding in all these areas. It's because yeah. everyone is sort of like a band of brothers. Mm. So that is, yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Going on to like a bit of a the opposite end. Do you think that there's been any like toxic people in your life that you've absolutely found to be the case? Yeah, absolutely. Toxic people everywhere. Mm. I mean, even within friendship groups or whatever, there's always going to be people that feel insignificant. That's really what toxic people come down to. Yeah, it's those who just need a leg up in in and they Something. have low self esteem. Mm. And you almost do have to feel bad for them, but at the same time, like, how can you? Yeah. Like, it's just, you're speaking from, like, an omniscient perspective if you're going, oh, yeah, feel bad for them and, like, try and, like, change them or whatever. Mm. Not really. I mean, they're pricks if they're being toxic. you got to realize, like, pricks are pricks. I remember in, like, my junior years in, like, prep school, I had this mate still at the school, won't name him. <laughs> um, <laughs> he can figure it out for himself. Um, but, yeah, yeah I mean... I'll tell you after, but, um, yeah, it was just like a, it was just a prick. Yeah. And people think he's a prick. Mm. And, um, those sorts of people, like everyone sees it, everyone knows about it. No one trusts them. And mm. like, you just have to put, put it together. I mean, you being in like quite academic circles, do you just see, as I've heard the extension to maths rumors of people just sabotaging each other or leading each other in wrong directions. Are you seeing that a lot? I feel like I haven't seen that much, like, sabotaging, but there's definitely a little bit of, like, kind of fakeness, hiding some stuff. Yeah, exactly. To not, you know, give everyone else the advantage. Like, I've heard that people have, like, literally skewed people in the wrong directions for assessments and things like oh, that. Oh, well, I don't know. Like, yeah. Um, but I, those are only rumors, but I hear of those things, and I'm just like, oh, God. Yeah. But I guess at the top end, I mean, extension to maths is the be all end all. Like that is the zone of the of the geniuses. Um, yeah. It must get. It must just. I suppose if you get a relatively bad mark in extension two test, you think perhaps you might be an idiot or something, right? Like, whereas yeah. you don't really put it in perspective that you are like the best students in the school of maths. That's what I think as well. It's like sometimes in my group, everyone will be like screaming a mark in a test and people will be doing, and I've realized that my group actually might be pretty high up on the mm. scale of ranks. Yeah. And then I think, wow, I might've not gotten that mark. So I must be stupid now, but really you see your rank and you're like, well, I'm not. Yeah. And I guess those circles yeah. sort of warp your sense of reality and perspective. Mm, yeah. I think in the top end there is, always that little bit of that toxic competition which will come up i think naturally yeah um but yeah it's just important to just not give a fuck about them you know yeah like you gotta you gotta you gotta keep your head screwed on and know who you are Mm. as a man like i mean geez i haven't heard anyone say that the people in school have always turned out to be the people who are successful the successful people in school always turning out that way Mm. rarely the case you always hear the stories of people coming up out of nowhere after school or people steep decline after school all these sorts of things Mm. yeah yeah there's so many people who are just their mindset is only fixated on school and that's it 
yeah. and that might bring about that toxic toxicity of I have to get this mark. But then once the HSC finishes, maybe they don't have anything else in their life. That's they're like, you know, what do I do? Yeah, identity crises. I mean, I've had them enough times. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's probably going to be a big hitter after the HSC. You're going to see, like, that's the probably the 19 years old final teenage hurdle. <laughs> you know, reshaping your identity, especially with things yeah. like rugby as well. I mean, first 15 mm. is like the epitome in school. And unless you're going on to play for Australia, yeah, like, it really just, like, rocks a lot of kids' boats post-school. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I wanted to touch on rugby as well. Like, um, yeah, what do you think, like, is the driver for so many so many kids because yeah i was thinking as well um you know pursuing a sport it's great and all but unless you're going out to you know play professionally you won't really get anything out of it it's a yeah it's a valid point it's a valid point for me enjoyment Mm. um i like playing uh i got mates that play it we will have fun together yeah um and then you know seeing each other that night after saturday when you're battered and bruised it's quite a you know it's quite a communal feeling yeah um and that's great uh also but i think like in the junior sort of formative years a lot of pressure to play footy just comes from like where what family you grow up in Hmm. like a lot of the dads or whatever they played first 15 at school and stuff like that yeah they played high level rugby yeah and some of these kids are like okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. um my dad didn't he was actually a footballer Mm. um but that, but then also the kids just love it. Um, and I guess there's something primal in a game of rugby about you, right? Like you're bashing each other up mm. and it's just letting out that sort of inner yeah. aggression and that competitive drive. Mm. Um, and that, of course, as I've mentioned earlier, translates sort of into the classroom. Mm. Yeah. And I think, so before you said there was some um, toxicity in the rugby field. Oh, not toxicity, not toxicity. That competitive nature is just the way a competitive sport works. The guy next to you who you're competing against, yeah, you're going to have to, when you're on that field, you're going to have to try and, you know, Mm. poleaxe him. You're going to have to try and really hit that guy as hard as you can. Really, like, you don't care about your mates in that setting if you're, Mm. like, competing against them. But once you're in the team, then you protect them with Mm. with your body, right? You protect them, like you protect them in front of everything else. Yeah. And then you're a cohort. Like, for example, when I used to play Barker or other schools and I had mates in the opposite team yeah. and they'd get into a scuffle, I'd be the first guy over to, like, give them a shove, whatever, yeah. like, talk in their face, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, despite if they're mates or if I'm mates with them or not. Because when you're in that moment, it's you against them. Mm. And afterwards, everyone's cool. It's not That's toxic. Awesome. It's just competitive. Yeah. And everyone realizes that sort of etiquette about it. Mm. And do you think, well, yeah, rugby's always been a big part of your life. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you reckon that competitiveness, it was definitely brought about as well. By yeah. Rugby. I, I think, I think it was always there before. Yeah. Rugby was just a place where it was expressed. Mm. Um, because there's plenty of kids who play rugby, um, and in the classroom or whatever, who aren't aspirational in rugby, they just play it or they aren't yeah. this and just do it. I mean, I would say in my years now, like I'm not that aspirational to play great level of rugby because mm. firstly, the riddling with school just makes me lose a lot of weight and stuff. So it's yeah. hard. Um, but it's just, I can't really focus on, as I've said before, too many things mm. 
but I play it. I train every day. I love it. Um, but some kids can brilliantly multitask rugby in school. Mm. Brilliantly, effortlessly. Yeah. And we've got some amazing talents in the rugby program as well. I mean, Archie Saunders, an Australian level player, Jared McLeod, probably going to play NRL post school. Oh, yeah. Like wow. some brilliant athletes. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's hard to obviously match up with those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've got some extremely quality players. Yeah. But for your case, you know that you can fly so much higher. Yeah, exactly. Know. It's like even yeah. with something like professional rugby, I probably wouldn't even probably want to play it because there's really? not that much money in it, believe it really? or not. No, unless you're at the top end, like you're, you're not earning that much money. Like genuinely, it's not like football or basketball. Like the top end earns like 1.3 mil a year. Mm. Whether it's in the NBA, the top guy's earning like 50 mil a year. So with rugby, I don't know. It's like, then it sets you back 10, 15 years on your career once you're post footy. And then it's like, what do you do? Yeah, that's true. So there's all those things you got to consider as well. But for for example, a kid like Archie or a kid like Jao, they are actually like genuinely quality players. Mm. Like genuinely could go far, like at the at the bookends but yeah. I think in my life it's like you know first of all not good enough second of all like tough real tough I mean I hate training believe it or not really I mean it takes the life out of you man <laughs> it takes the life out of you yeah um, but love playing mm. yeah I was just thinking as well um, you know when I had my kid I was thinking I want to just chuck him into a sport and just like, just discipline them so much and just push them to like the highest level possible. And then when they reach a level, you know, they'll have like such a strong mind. They can throw away the sport and then just direct that into something else like yeah. studies and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I believe that there's like a correlation between those two aspects. I mean, look, sports in its essence is just competition. It's seeing which, you know, let the best man win. Yeah. And those people that really buy into sports, you Mm. know, they are naturally competitive people. Yeah. And that natural competition, if they want to do well in something, they will compete to do well. Won't necessarily mean they will do well, but they will compete. Mm. It's a competitive world. Yeah. It's a competitive world. So that's why, you know, Again, you can drag a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I mean, you can tell your kid you want him to do sport, but he may not take to it. He may just not be naturally competitive. I have a brother, another brother, who's just not competitive at all by nature. Mm. He just likes to do his own thing, be a team player. Mm. And that's him. And that's just the way a lot of people work. Mm. And he's not like aspirational. He just wants to do his own thing. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. We do a little cut, but sure. yeah. Well, wait, was there anything else? No, I'm happy to wrap. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. I just have like a few, um, like final questions. Okay. Like cool. rapid questions. Yeah. And, um, just like with a phrase or like, well, yeah, just like in a sentence, a few sentences, just, yeah. What do you think? So first question, what is one thing you're struggling the most at right now in your life? Okay. Probably being like nice 
to like my immediate family in my home, like just being like a, like a sort of pleasant guy to live with because I can get pretty hot and bothered at times or just like really transfixed or like not wanting to talk to people mm. or shut off, like having the time out of my, taking time out of my day to see how people are going, interacting positively all the time. Mm. Something I would want to try and work on. Yeah, I, would, I definitely want to do that as well. Yeah. Um, what do you, well, yeah, I probably know the answer, but what is the single most important thing in your life right now? Yeah, well, at the moment, yeah, it have to be academics. Yeah. Um, like, it, yeah, how could you say it's not at this very point in my life? What about the second thing? Second thing? I don't think there's a number two. Yeah. It's, it's just that. Yeah, yeah no, I, I respect that, yeah. yeah. I think that's the right mindset to have. Yeah. Just full throttle. Yeah. HSE. Yeah. Um... This is a big one. Um, what is your biggest regret so far in life? I don't really know. Like you're pretty happy. Like I, I think everything that I've done wrong, I've, ga- really I've well. gained, I've gained experience from, and I've learned mm. a lesson from, and that's actually how I yeah, genuinely conduct awesome. my life. Yeah. Like every time I do fail mm. or have shortcomings, I genuinely do reflect Dude, on it awesome. deeply. So regrets, not really. Mm. I mean, they're all stuff I'll never do again. Mm. So in that way, it's a positive. Dude, that's awesome. So, you know, going back, you wouldn't do anything differently, you think? I mean, sure. Would I have wanted to be an Eshe back in the day? <laughs> Probably not, but yeah, hey. but... And made you who you are. Exactly. Today. Exactly. Mm. Like, I think with every shortcoming, there's a lesson. Well, yeah. And you do a lot of reflecting. I do, you... just naturally. Not like, I don't just meditate. <laughs> but I do meditate on things. Like, uh, in yeah. that, not like Buddhist style. But, yeah. for example, if I am in a shower, going to bed, mm. driving somewhere, I'm thinking, reflecting. Yeah. That's a lot of what I do. Yeah, from what we talked about, you know, with the school system, cadets, your rugby, I can tell that you've taken a lot of thought into these systems and how they, you know, function and what they're meant to um, do to all our lives. Yeah. I think that's I, pretty amazing. I think I could sort of think of two things at once in a way. Hmm. Like I'm sort of doing activities or out and I'm sort of thinking or stuff sort of percolating in the yeah. back of my mind and piecing sort of things together hmm. and they sort of form into opinions. Wow. And you would just do that in the shower yeah. while you're going on a walk? Yeah, driving. just stuff like that. Stuff yeah. like that. It's just stuff that's... Or I just have an epiphany mm. at certain intervals throughout the day. So in those thinking sessions, do you think for your future ahead on how you're going to attack these certain problems in your life? Look, I, I just... I always sort of, I guess, have the humility to realize that there's going to be a lot more failures to come Mm. and there's going to be a, you know, it's not going to be a linear path Mm. and that I just got to experience them to know what what it is. And also having the ability to realize that, like, you're not, you know, shit hot as well. Like, I mean, geez, there's a lot more faults than I have, you know, great attributes about myself. There's a lot of shortcomings and a lot of people are going to see those and you know definitely try and exploit them and that's not going to reverberate well for me but that's just going to happen you just got to realize 
that that those things do occur. Yeah. Yeah. Go to accepting of it. Yeah, no, but it's yeah, just it's about great. moving forward, keeping yeah. your head up. Things will come. Your time will come. You when know? you say you're already used to like dealing with problems, you you don't f- see them as a huge mountain that you got to cross. You just see, oh, it's just another activity that I just got to push forward with. I think naturally I'm pretty good at problem solving, mm. like just like in day-to-day life. Mm. So I can normally sort of compartmentalize things and realize yep. what I have to do. Um and I, always, I, I do need to think about things quite a bit. For example, if you get a bad mark in a test, I need a few days to sort of think about it and go, how, what's this going to do? Because immediately you're like, boom, life's ruined or something like that. Yeah. It's like, boom, whoa. Mm. Okay? Not like that. Yeah. Okay? And you just have to realize what you got to do to do better um, and just put things in a little bit of perspective. Talk it out as well. Mm-hmm. Talking it out. I talk, out, talk it out with a lot of people um, and I have great confidence in that. Yeah. Do you ever overthink? Absolutely. Consistently. Always. Absolutely. Um, Just dramatize things over. Yeah. I mean, like, if you ask, for example, Miss Cow, Mm -hmm. if I overthink, she'll just laugh. Because I'm always overthinking. (laughs) Really? Always. Yeah. I mean, after every time we're getting our marks back, I'm like, do you reckon you could give it to me in private? Every time I do a test, I can almost remember what I've written and I can remember the flaws mm. within it. I'm like, God, I'm stuffed. Mm. Stuffed. And I'll get it back and I'll be all right. So I'm always overthinking, but it's all right to overthink. It's okay. Um, it sucks, but it's okay. Yeah, I always overthink so much. Yeah. It's the tiniest thing, just a small interaction. Yeah. I just think about, oh, I just said this. Why did that person, you know, think For- of me like this or whatever? Yeah, I can only imagine just, when I go home tonight with this podcast, I'll be kicking myself going, <laughs> fuck, should have said this, shouldn't have said this, but it yeah, is what it is. But yeah, you reckon it's like, it's fine, and that's something you've just been accepting of. Yeah. It's just who you yeah. are. It's just who I am. What you, you know, what you see on the package is what you get. Like, there's not much more to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. I'll yeah. be more accepting of myself as well with that. Yeah. Um, all right. Another question. So, in our current society, what is something that you just do not like, and how will you change it? Wow. What What I actually don't like. Mm. It's quite deep and weird, but um, I don't like like the way we uh value how much someone's worth. So the way wages are like sort of calculated mm-hmm. people who are incredibly productive, efficient, whatever doesn't necessarily correspond into um, how much they will earn. You know, there's a lot of nepotism going around a whole lot mm. of nepotism. People just getting jobs out of nowhere, making money, even though they're not really worth that much yep. in terms of their like output. Mm. So what I would want to do is try and sort of correct that and try and see like what you produce or what you are able to you know, produce as a person is what you shall receive in your income. Like is each according to his worth is each according to his ability. That's what I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get you. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I that, like, yeah. That's what, that's what I, that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in our world, it's all about making those connections with people. Exactly. And having that kind of upper edge over someone else. Yeah, people are, in high, like middle management positions, higher up positions, and they're really just bozos. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, people are going to get jobs at like from our year group who may, you know, ne- never have worked as hard as, for example, you or I, but might be earning twice as much because he knows people within the circuits because his dad mm. knows someone or his dad does yeah. this or something like that. And they just sort of cut their way through, mm. through life and earn great money. And it's like, you shouldn't. The guy who busted his balls for five years, he should be earning the cash. Look what he's producing for this company. He should be earning that, not you. But I guess if you... So there was a book um, of how to... Of why someone becomes successful. I forgot what it was called. And one of the things was having that initial upper advantage. For example, wealthy family, having these connections. And then also like working hard. Yeah. Um, you know... Oh, what's the guy, what's the guy who made Snapchat? What's his name? <sighs> Spiegel or something? Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, so he came from, like, a very wealthy, a wealthy family as well. Yeah. Went to a great school, um, you know, straight away. Yeah. So people can argue that it's because of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But at the same time, if you're an entrepreneur, you are what you're worth, right? Like, yeah. what your company is worth is what you're worth as a person. Hmm. So that... I think is incorrect. What I'm talking about is like, for instance, if I come out of school and daddy has a job lined up for me and I take that job and I'm instantly earning more than the guy who busted his gut next to me in school but didn't have that and he just had to go through the grueling interview phase and everything and is producing way more for the company than I am, yet I'm Mm. getting a bigger salary. Mm. That's the flaw. Yeah. That's the flaw in the society. Do you think you have an answer to... How? I've got an answer, but not on here. Okay, yeah. Got you. <laughs> that's that's where no the billions are going to come from, Henry. Mm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got you. <laughs> oh, no, but... Yeah. I mean, someone I actually do talk about it quite at length with is, uh, yeah, my economics teacher. Because um, we were discussing... I mean, teacher's incredibly underpaid. She earns as much as the librarian. Mm. And she's probably 50 times more productive and adds 50 times more worth. Mm. than she does mm. or like a librarian would then mm. so that I think is a fatal flaw yeah well yeah I, I never that never crossed my mind but yeah I mean well yeah I know that that is quite shocking yeah yeah well yeah reading my um so I'm like studying for the SAT and a lot of the extracts that they have are just these like politicians in like the 60s or 70s 80s of you know discussing like um gender rights and stuff yeah and they argue how it should be a person's ability on their skill or uh, the ability that they have on the certain task rather than you know male yeah. or female exactly. or in this case whether exactly. you come from a wealthy family or not exactly yeah. exactly yeah things like the pay gap with pay the gap. system that would yeah it would eliminate discrimination mm. those sorts of anything that can discriminate what you are able to produce yeah hopefully there you can create a system that will solve that problem hopefully one day we will hopefully one day we in will in the near future all right we'll go last question all right um i guess what is one piece of advice you would give to everyone listening one piece of advice um, is, well, never look back, never look back, never look side to side, always look in front, mm. always look in front and never take any notice of 
other people talking anything, you know, talking shit about you or just don't like I like I always say like don't give a fuck what people think. Just do. You do you and things are going to work out all right for themselves. Mm. And although I haven't really put it to the test as much as someone who's 50 years old, you're damn right I'm going to experiment with it. Like I don't compromise yourself for others. Be your own man or woman. Be yourself. That's my one piece of advice. Dude, let's go. Yeah. Probably got chills. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But, oh, yeah, no, I've extremely, extremely enjoyed this. Thank you. Conversation Thank you. with you, Freddie. Thank you. I learned so much. Thank you. This is... No, I can say it. it's the best episode so far. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, well, it's, bro, been, it's, it's been, been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's yeah, been an absolute pleasure. I'm so happy that you even like came up to me and you know said that you wanted to. Oh, absolutely. Hop on the podcast. I mean, I love what I love what you're doing here. I mm. think it's, I think thank it's awesome you. taking the initiative, putting yourself out there as well. I mean, who knows? Like people could have just gone, "You're an idiot for doing it." Yeah, yeah. But you took, you, mate. Anyone who takes takes the leap forward. Got my respect instantly. So props to you, mate. Thank you, Freddie. Yeah. I learned so much in this conversation and hopefully, you know, one day there'll be like a part two. Hopefully. Hopefully. It might be, you know, episode 1,500 (laughs) like on the Rogan. (laughs) But when you get featured on the 30 on the 30. Yeah. Your name's on there. um, And then that will come back. You'll come back. uh, You'll come back. I'll come for 20s hurdles. (laughs) (laughs) okay that'll be awesome but um yeah once again hope everybody really enjoyed that because i definitely really did this is a really it's been like three hours yeah yeah. i don't know i might cut this in like to a part one and part two but yeah anyways um thank you once again um follow us on instagram tiktok at teenage hurdles Give it a five-star review, um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening because it extremely helps a lot. Um, and yeah, I just really hope you learned something. And yeah, this is Teenage Hotels Podcast. My name is Henry. This is Fred. <laughs> and we'll see you later. Thank you. Bye. All right, sick. Shit. I couldn't stop. Thank you.